Let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you and I combine? Let's get together, what do you say? We could have a swing in time. We'd be a crazy team. Why don't we make the scene? Together, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of all that we could share. Let's get together every day. Every way and everywhere And though we haven't got a lot We could be sharing all we've got Together Welcome to the Medfield College Film Society. My name's Jeff Crawford. Uh, we're here today to talk about a very special film. And, uh, you know, if love's on skids, treat your folks like kids, or the family tree's gonna snap, is all I gotta say about it. But getting ahead of myself let's welcome our society members in the president mr robert mcswain robert how you doing today tonight i am so ready to talk about this movie because we haven't been together in like six weeks it's been a while Maybe winter longer. break winter break so, it's been a while yeah we had a, had a little hiatus over the over the break so now we're ready to jump back in it and talk some movies and Got a good one here, I think. I'm feeling, did you feel uh, did you have one magic Christmas, Robert? I did have a well. No, it wasn't real magical. I mean, my family didn't disappear on me, and and <laughs> there weren't any angels lurking in the trees in my yard. But yeah. um, aside from that, it was it was pleasant. Yes, that's good to hear. I'm gonna get it, my brother. Whose Christmas? I know how it went. We can't be talking about that. Haunt and shant, Mr. Michael Crawford. How's it going? I was going to say I had one magical Christmas and everyone around me died horribly to teach me to like Christmas as as a wholesome message from that film. But I, I, I am well recovering from the Christmas uh, la grip. Yeah. <laughs> as it held us in its, in its grip. Many, many Crawfords <laughs> fell to varying uh, ailments. <laughs> yes. Remain Myst- elusive and mysterious. Yes. Mystery ailments, but yeah. All better now, nearly. Yes. And high in the mountains, undisclosed location. We daren't ask how his Christmas went, but he can volunteer that information. Mr. Andy Brown. How's it going, Andy? Sorry, guys. There's just this plague of mountain lines up here. <laughs> got to keep my bashing these sticks together to keep them away. They just keep trying to interrupt our recording now, session. Here. Andy, everybody knows that the mountain lions have not been in that part of North Carolina in over a hundred years. <laughs> well, there's something about this Christmas. I think someone wished for a bunch because they're all here now. Uh, I don't yeah. think this is working. If you go right over the balsam, you'll see one right there on the billboard over there. That's true. I know, yeah, just staring true. right out at you. Very exactly. true. Yeah, guys, it's uh, it's good to be back. And um, I had a magical Christmas, and um, it was wonderful. And everyone died, and it was great. <laughs> and then everybody came back, and that was great, too. <laughs> because you <laughs> believed in Santa Claus, the Thanks, God man. of Christmas. Yeah. And then everybody played the harmonica. <laughs> it is great to be back. And what, you know, of course, we had a Muppet Treasure Island in the interim, but what... What a film to come back in on. Uh, one that, as we've discussed, Michael says is his favorite Disney live action film. So, 
I think so. I wow. Think so. What are we watching tonight, Michael? We are watching the 1961 Disney classic, The Parent Trap, written and directed by David Swift, based on the book Das Doppelte Lotchen by Eric Kastner, starring Haley Mills, Maureen O'Hara, Brian Keith, with the great Charlie Ruggles, Una Merkel, Leo G. Carroll, and Joanna Barnes. Uh, a lot of talent behind the camera on this one. We got special effects. We got a lot of special effects in this one, courtesy of Mr. Up Iwerks and Company. Some music Legend. by Paul Smith, some songs by the Sherman Brothers. A title song performed by Annette and Tommy Sands. A little weird cross pollination. Yeah, they got they got a lot of people. Um it's a, a, a young Sherman Brothers working on this one, yeah. and some, of course, Ub Iwerks had been there for decades, so it really spans the gambit of Disney legends working on this one. I, I wanted to talk for a second about old Swifty. Is, uh, now, his father, was he, I know he had a meat business. Was it Swift Meats of Disneyland fame? I don't know. I, I'm, you're sending me <laughs> to the internet now. Uh, I know David Swift had come up as an animator at the studio. Let me see here. His his father owned a factory that made sausage casings. But that can't. Be I the doubt same. that's not. That the can't same be the Swift. Swift meat as, no, no, as, no, no. The Swift. Uh, I was about drug. to be extremely excited. Uh, you know, Red Wagon in implications, but uh, yeah, that would have been still. Sinister. Yeah, I guess he, uh, you know, had a dream of working for Walt Disney and. Had a long, illustrious career. Uh, yes, this kind of did. being the highlight of, but he also was involved in the reboot, which I didn't know. I know he was uh, co-credited on the screenplay of the reboot in, in 1998, which uh, is very cool. And he started in the mailroom at Disney, worked his way up to an animating position, got into live action. He directed Pollyanna the year before, Parent Trap. Uh, then he left, went to other studios. He directed Under the Yum Yum Tree. Yes. <laughs> a classic. Uh, starring uh, Dean Jones and in, in a role. And uh, came back to Disney in the 70s to Candleshoe. And then just sort of kicked around directing a lot of stuff. And then uh, one of his last credits was that 1998 remake of The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. So a, a very talented uh, writer and director. This was his last work at Disney until Candleshoe. So a lot of talent behind the camera. I, I point out, I mentioned Annette and Tommy Sands are friends from um, Babes in Toyland. And it is so crazy to me. I, I was looking through the Malton Disney guide and that came out the same year as this. Wow, And it is so hard to believe. And in fact, it came out after this. It came out in the holiday season. This came out in the summer. It is so bizarre to me that this movie and that movie exist in the same era. Because it's a totally bizarre. Yeah, yeah. the vibe, everything about them is just, I mean, holiday vibe you know, aside, it just the way they shot it and everything. Yeah, it's just completely different. I mean, that movie is like totally sound stages and feels like. Like I feel like the Wizard of Oz, yeah, 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 totally, totally. Feels really old, and this one feels much more contemporary. So that's well, kind of crazy fact. 
contemporary and I feel like this movie more than any in the Walt era is has more adult themes, which we will talk about as we go through yeah, a yeah, lot absolutely. of innuendo and stuff that you would not see in uh, Disney fair of the era. It, it feels like, uh, you know, another studio is involved in this, not exclusively, but at times it's like, man, this feels like a different kind of movie than the stuff we usually watch. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's a lot saucier than the typical yeah. Disney fair for sure. Uh, we got to give a shout out to Teehee, Bill Justice, and Exitensio. Yes, Those guys. Uh, they did the credits, the opening credits for this film, and uh, in their stop motion style, which they had used in a lot of film credits, and in the I believe it's 1959 short Noah's Ark. I think it's 1959, and they there was a whole episode of the Disney TV show devoted to making the credits for this movie, and really? it's got like Annette and Tommy Sands on there, and then it's got like the animator guys like animating. It's like, how did you do it? And so they got a shout out for for these credits. Yeah, I feel like Walt was kind of obsessed with this kind of ability of theirs. So, so I found a little uh, featurette about um, how they shot the special effects in this movie and, and some of the techniques they were using. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was pretty fascinating. Like I, I mean, I thought it was just basically just a split screen, but they did a lot more than that. Um, yeah, well, they did like the Peter Jackson thing of mixing things up. So you can never like really, your brain never really kind of catches up to what's going on because they, they had a body double for Haley mm-hmm. Mills who looked very much like Haley Mills, but they did like prosthetic nose and, you know, a wig to make her sort of match her exactly. And they just used a lot of trickery in the way they shot the two of them together. And then they would have like the process shots that, you know, where it's Haley Mills and Haley Mills, but like a lot of clever ways of framing it that you don't even notice till you pay, like pay close attention to like how they're avoiding shooting. Right. The, the Susan Henning, I think is her name. Yeah. Uh, who's not credited. Who's not credited at all. No, it's yeah, Haley so- Mills and Haley Mills is credited. Yeah. Yeah. Susan got robbed. I mean, that was uh, on the credit there. Cause she did a lot of work clearly and she's in it a lot. She a pops lot. up yep, yep. over and over again. Yeah, they had to use stuff like metronomes and things like that to keep timing on the with like Haley and and Susan walking side by side together, and so that they wouldn't, you know, they they'd be sort of in the same gate, and it was it was really, I mean, it wasn't like groundbreaking, but it was very inventive how they found ways to make it work. Um, yeah, it's really fascinating. I and I'm I'm going to spoil Leonard Maltin's review, but. I, I found it interesting. He points out that the hardest shots to achieve in this movie are done really well. And then there are a couple of other shots that are just like real basic stuff that are not very good. Like a couple of like rear projection process shots that are really rough. And so it's funny that the hard stuff was done really well. And some of the other stuff was kind of just like whatever. And mentioning uh, a Biworks, I, I I didn't realize I didn't realize he was still around, like working like that in the sixties. Uh, oh yeah, uh, he I was, was around till the uh, he worked on Hall of Presidents at Disney World. He was 
he died in the early 70s sometime oh, and wow. he was at the studio up until then yeah doing tinkering around kind of yeah doing amazing stuff he did a lot of stuff on mary poppins too mm-hmm. yeah he did a lot of early like motion control stuff but uh he was like an a like a self-taught guy who didn't know like digital stuff. He knew like electromechanical, like tinkering. So he made a motion control camera that didn't work with a computer. It worked with, I'm trying to remember how they did it, but it was basically like drawing a line on a piece of paper and the camera would like follow the line on the piece of paper with like optical, like electric optical things. It was, it was really crazy, but yeah, he was just a tinkerer guy. Well, that's what I was, uh, his daughter was interviewed in the feature ed. She was talking about that, that he wasn't, you know, college educated, but if he wanted to learn something, he would learn it and become an expert on it like yeah. in weeks. And he reminded me a lot. That's kind of the way my grandfather was, um, on my father's side. He, he was just, you know, he, he became a, an electrical engineer and said, well, I, I don't, I, I have no formal training, so I'm going to teach myself how to do it. And he would just go out and do stuff like that too. So it, it was kind of uh, kind of cool to, to see somebody else like that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Andy, had you ever seen the original Parent Trap before? I had, yes, but it has been a long time. It's probably been twenty plus years. Um, so, I mean, I remembered you know the general beat and the gist of the uh, of the, the film, but um, I did not expect it to be as good as it was. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think that's no spoiler there. Um, yeah, it's just a little. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking the other day back about I've been thinking about Swiss Family Robinson and how good that is. There's just a couple of these that are just real cream of the crop, and then this is one of them. I feel like. Yeah. Um. Well, shall we get into it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Michael, I believe you were up first. Will you take us into the world of The Barrett Trap? If their love's on skids, treat your folks like kids. Are your family trees gonna snap? So to make them dig, first you gotta rig. Uh, what do you gotta rig? The parent trap If they lose that zing And they just won't swing Then the problem falls in your lap When your folks are square Then you must prepare What do you gotta prepare? The parent trap to set the Well, we start off, as Jeff mentioned earlier Some real banger titles Created by a trio of Disney veterans uh, Bill Justice, ex Atencio and the greatly named Tee Hee. Uh, these three guys were known for this kind of stop motion thing. We've already seen uh, they did those Shaggy Dog credits, which were yes. uh, also very wacky. So we've done that before. Uh, they were known for this stop motion style. Um, and in the credits, a pair of Cupids inspire a pair of sisters to conspire in several schemes to push their divorced parents back together which was a taste of things to come. Uh, John and Marsha are the parents in the, <laughs> in the credits. And I don't know. I need to research. I don't know where the John Marsha. I, I got from. you. I got you. Yes. It, it's please. a Stan Freeberg bit. 
that oh, he did. Oh, that's right. Where they just do John Marsha, John Marsha, which it's actually referenced in Mad Men. Mad Men, right. Um, but it's like an old comedy oh. record by Stan Freeberg. But it's funny how much they take it and make it their own in this. I mean, what a interesting thing to just take. Yeah, absolutely. In reference. Yeah. And then wow. Freeberg would come back and work on Epcot. So it all ties together. Oh, that's crazy. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, I feel like growing up, that John Marsha thing was just like a go to gag. I didn't, I never knew where it came from. And then when they did it in Mad Men, I was like, okay, this is crazy. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> when I looked it up. So this must have like, been what, a thing. what is yeah. this? Yeah. It was just, it was just one of those gags that like always popped up everywhere and it, I don't know. Don't well, yeah, know I mean, and the gag on the record is they take, they take, they just say John and Marsha, and it goes through this whole story that you can follow just by the way they're saying it. So, <laughs> was it lost on you, Andy, or did you, did you pick up on it? Uh, at the time, it was lost on me, but now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember the, yeah, I'm the saying, bit yeah. now. Well, the actual film begins in the scenic California countryside. We're on location, folks, and it is, this is a nice place. Um, we get a very conspicuous Rolls Royce pulling up to Camp Inch, where an army of girls are arriving and trying to sort themselves out. Now, do we immediately have Camp Bud Shield flashbacks here? <laughs> I'm having Camp Tacoa flashbacks as well. Yeah, it is. Oh, it see, is I, never, I never did that. Camp so. uh, I love the name Camp Inch. It's yes. just an amazing name. Well, especially because its proprietor is Miss Inch. Right. Yes. Which is just weird. Uh, weird name. Uh, a young blonde girl in a very formal outfit steps out of the limo. The chauffeur hands her some items from her grandmother. Allergy pills, insect repellent, and a book of poetry. And she kind of has to carry them. She should have packed these. Uh, you know, I was just like, this is inefficient. Just, you don't carry that around. You pack it up. And everybody's of means. I mean, they should have this stuff taken care of, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know her grandmother. Anyway, we cut to the girl checking into camp with a staffer played by the inimitable Nancy Colt. Uh, always happy to see her here yeah. popping up at the girls' camp. Miss Hathaway. Miss Hathaway yes, herself. Hathaway. Absolutely. Uh, we find out the girl's name is Sharon McKendrick, that she's from Boston, and that uh, her grandmother wants her to have a well-ventilated tent. And Nancy Colt's response is, don't worry, McKendrick, you'll be ventilated. Which, that sounds like a threat from a gangster. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> you'll be ventilated, yeah, all right. Ventilate yeah, we'll rip you a vent. Yeah, right. Uh, Miss Hathaway leads Sharon and some girls to their cabin while she's going down the camp rules, showing them where everything is, the latrine, etc. Sharon is in Arapahoe cabin, and she meets her new roommates, Betsy and Ursula. Ursula always amuses me just because her name is Ursula. Even before Ursula and Little Mermaid, it's just a, a funny name. Uh, the bugle sounds for lunch, and everybody goes running off to the mess hall. And the girls are getting to know each other in line at lunch. Sharon says she's not allowed to eat candy because her grandmother says it will ruin her teeth. Grandmother are being made out to be quite the villain at this point. Well, <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah, it's appropriate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but as uh, she's grabbing a drinking glass, Sharon comes face to face with another girl who sports shorter hair, but otherwise looks just like her. And they both kind of freeze up before the line pushes Sharon forward. So we find ourselves at the other girl's table where her cabin mates are talking about how Sharon has some nerve coming there with the other girl's face. They're very militant. This yeah, why other are they so hostile? <laughs> they, are, they are immediately on attack mode for some reason. Yes. Uh, Ursula, uh, especially. So I'm assuming they shot. I mean, is she wearing a wig in both, or is she wearing? Is Haley Mills wearing a wig in both shots, or how did they do that? Do you guys know, or is it was one her actual hair and? I that's hair? a really good question. I I don't. I can't. I, I remember her telling her story one time about getting her hair cut, but I don't remember like which way it went. But okay. I know she was wearing a wig at some point because. I read uh, a couple of years ago, I gave, and this will come up time and again, but uh, Jeff and my dad is a huge Haley Mills fan. I gave him a copy of her autobiography and I was looking at it when I was watching the movie and she was talking about the movie and she said they had to switch back and forth when they were filming a lot, like really fast and that they didn't always have time to get like the hair and makeup perfect. Mm-hmm. And so she's like mortified because she says the they wouldn't get the the wig attached correctly and it would slide back. So it makes her look like she has like an enormous forehead and she's like self-conscious in retrospect about that. So I think they were shooting a lot at the same time and just like having her change back and forth. It had to be a crazy hours for her. I don't know how they did that. I mean, so much work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, these other girls, they're they're big mad, and uh, one of the girls recommends biting off Sharon's nose so she won't look like the other girl anymore. Man, what Good is a deal? Yeah. Which is like Hannibal just Lecter kind of stuff. yourself, here. chill out. <laughs> this is where I wish we had a female opinion on this show because uh, I would love to get their uh, their insight on this. Because a bunch of guys were like, "What? That's crazy!" But it, it sounds like something girls would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I instantly hate you. Yeah. I will bite off your nose. Uh, yeah. Sharon, well, Sharon tells her friends back at her table that she's never seen the other girl before, but she's she's not mad about it. I will say, uh, we find later on, the other girl's name is Susan. In taking notes for this, unless I miss something, we don't actually find out her name until, like, way into the movie. Um, At, at a point, which I, I will say, but I think... We, we see Sharon checking into the camp, so we find out her name then. But this other girl remains nameless for quite some time, which is odd. Wow. But instead of calling her the other girl, I will call her Susan, which is her name, uh, even, if, even if we don't know it yet. So uh, Miss Inch, who runs the camp, as previously mentioned, uh, steps up to give a talk. Uh, she's very 1960s sitcom, this lady. Mm-hmm. She's very like Mayberry adjacent, very uh, Aunt for Clara sure, from Bewitched sure. adjacent. Yeah, she's on two later episodes, colored episodes of uh, the Andy Griffith show. Oh, well, I'm not, not count. at all surprised. Yeah. Absolutely. Kind of like the ant on uh, Batman, that same sort of vibe. Yeah. Uh, anyway, she steps up to give a talk while the uh, two lookalike girls stare at each other from across the room. Miss Inch introduces a visitor from the next hill over from the Thunderhead Boys Camp. 
Chief guy. Eaglewood. <laughs> oh, what a dullard this guy is. Eaglewood. Yeah, he's <laughs> kind of a dork. Hilarious. He's got his napkin tucked in his shirt. I love the yeah. napkin tucked in the shirt. And he's like, oh. Has a great line about this being a crackerjack troop of girls. Oh, what a strange adjective to, to use. <laughs> crackerjack troop yeah. group of girls here. Clear, clearly uncomfortable. Yes. Yes. Very uncomfortable. Uh, his, I always like, you know, having been a, a boy scout, seeing fake scouts in movies and like how they cobble together their uniforms from just random like things like patches and stuff. It's, it's, I don't know. It's funny to see that them doing their little fake scout kind of thing. Anyway. Um, <laughs> really, I thought was Robert gonna... was, uh, Robert, what was your opinion of him? <laughs> of the scout uniform? <laughs> just him in general. Well, just uh, well, I thought he was coming. I mean, the, the the napkin take was kind of funny. I thought he, uh, you know, if, if that was an actor take, I, I tip my cap to him a little bit. Um, but aside from that, I mean, and I did chuckle at the at the scout uniform, the ropes. I think they had like the, the ropes uh, killed me. That's my favorite part. That's what I was thinking about. Just covered in patches. Yeah, that was yeah. The other thing, so. It's just like they went to like the scout store and just bought everything and put it on there. But he's got like these cords like uh like you'd make like a bolo tie out of or something and he's just it's like he's like the generalissimo of the boy scouts or something it's it's really funny <laughs> and so many patches it's great but anyway he says he's there with a surprise introduces trooper stafford a young scout who gets checked out by all the girls in the audience they are doing the female <laughs> gaze on him uh, <laughs> well, let me back up here real quick because this reminds me of a moment. If I could go to Boy Scout camp with Jeff real quick, and Michael, you might have been there that they had a, um, a foreign exchange uh, troop there that year. Oh uh, boy, had, yeah, and they were um, co-ed. No so way, I don't remember there was that. One, there was like a big, two big girls deal. in their troop, and they were from Germany. And man, you would have. Th- I mean, that, guys were just like like. like pack of boys following this girl around everywhere she went and, and uh, she didn't speak a whole lot of english but i believe it i mean that would be like the equivalent of like a unicorn showing up at scout camp pretty much. <laughs> it, was, it was crazy <laughs> it was pretty crazy everybody trying on their best uh german i'm sure uh, trying their fast german vocabulary but yeah well they're excited about trooper stafford here at camp inch and uh Says there's there's a big surprise coming up Saturday night. They're going to have a dance with the boys from Camp Thunderhead. And Trooper Stafford accepts the invitation and thanks them. Uh, this guy does a real good job of playing awkward. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Sure. Uh, the role he was born to play is just painful. Yeah. Painful. Uh, apparently, in real life, this guy uh, had you know went out on a few dates with a young Haley Mills. So Trooper mm. Stafford did all right for himself. Uh, the girls, the name Stafford though, is just perfect. Perfect. Yeah. He's it's it's like very, it's like not controlling the tone of his voice enough, right. <laughs> so he accepts too enthusiastically or too loudly, I guess. Uh, Miss Inch has one warning though: watch your demerits. Untidy girls will not be allowed to go to the dance. So keep your cabins mm. clean and your uniforms spanking fresh. So uh, we're out by the lake 
out on the dock. Sharon and her pals are sitting on the dock when the lookalike girl, Susan, and her friends pull up in a canoe. Sharon very politely mentions that they look like each other, a thing that is very noticeable to everyone. And true. And uh, Susan does this whole bit, uh, setting it up to say that Sharon looks like Frankenstein, uh, which is a funny thing to say after someone says, we look just like each other. And like, yeah, you look like Frankenstein. Like, uh, uh, zing. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite responses. Ursula is sitting there. Good old Ursula says, not wanted, and tips their canoe Love it. Over. <laughs> Love it. Uh, that, I want that to, I need to adopt that as like my go-to reply for people. I think. <laughs> it would suit you. <laughs> not I wanted. I can see that playing not. with you, yeah. Oh, that night, Susan and her friends sneakily infiltrate the Arapaho cabin where everyone is asleep. They start making a mess, putting toothpaste and honey on the girls, Mm. stringing twine everywhere, generally wreaking havoc. It's foul. Yeah, it's gross. It's super gross. Um, Yeah. Um, Anyway, at Reveille the next morning, a number of traps are set off by the girls as they're waking up in Arapaho. Uh, like grass and dirt and there's a bucket of water on the ceiling that comes down it's really nasty uh, miss inch and uh miss hathaway show up to inspect the cabins only to find a rapaho a disaster scene with like an inch of just muck on the floor it's Ugh. so gross uh at the dance we cut straight to the dance we hear annette singing again she's singing let's get together also, uh, there's well, no room on that dance floor. They're packed. It in is like intense. Sardines. Yeah, this is like old school, like crammed Fire dance safety floor code. style dancing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they move or why. Yeah. Just sort of shuffle back and forth. Uh, the Arapaho girls are looking on from outside, plotting revenge. They didn't get to go to the dance, and they're just in their regular camp gear while everyone else is in their little fancy dress, and. They're out for blood. So Ursula has an idea. Ursula, the uh, instigator here, they all go running off as the song ends, and Susan walks out. She's she's with Trooper Stafford. They're going to get some air out on the dot out on the um, deck. Gotta say, I love the design of this uh, cabin here. This is fun. Love the design of everything, but yes, yeah, yes. well, yes. in this movie, yes, absolutely, <laughs> but. This, this is a camp I would frequent. There's lots of wood paneling. It's very rustic. I'm sure the food is top-notch. Oh, yeah, you know it. Well, uh, Susan's putting on this big act about how she doesn't like the camp because they won't let her use lipstick or perfume, and she mm-hmm. feels positively naked without her lipstick. And she says she's from Monterey and starts talking about how great California is. She mentions she doesn't have a mother, but her dad is great and is always taking her on camping trips. And she's kind of bragging about being an outdoors person who knows all the tricks and uh, just how great her life is. And while she's talking from below the deck, Sharon and the girls slowly come up behind her and with a pair of scissors cut off the backside of her skirt. Now, 
Here's where we cut to a 10-minute interview with our dad about the effect this had on him in the theater <laughs> as as a, what, he would have been nine, nine years old watching this yep. as, a, as a youth. Uh, this pure scandal. Well, yeah. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean. Well, what did he have to say? And, um, I mean, in a Disney movie, my goodness. Uh, well, well, he was in love. Easily scandalous. So this was this was a a uh, a, a a delightful turn for the Disney <laughs> studio to take. Uh, How many times did he go see it in the theater? So shocking. Well, that's what I, I joke. He was telling me this the other day because he walked in when this scene was on, and uh, when I was watching it, and I said, "Did you just go back and like break into the theater like to catch like?" <clears throat> You know, you know, like what time in the movie the scene comes up, so you you know, break break into the theater and see it. But uh, yes, it now had, Wilson, why are you going back to the theater again? <laughs> going to see Parent Trap again? You're going to see Parent Trap for the twelfth time this week. <laughs> for some people, it's Ursula Andress and Doctor No. <laughs> for others, <laughs> it's Haley Mills. It's Haley Mills. Parent Trap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it all. Uh, you know, it it all. Every everything has their audience. Uh, Doctor No would have been the net year after this, so oh, maybe it's well, maybe there's there a connection there, you know. Mm. Anyway, uh, by the time they're done, the music restarts. Her whole backside is showing. Uh, her friends see what's going on and come to her rescue, but it's too late because they've seen everything, and the entire dance floor is laughing at her, and she is horrified, and. I mean, this goes to, you know, what Jeff was saying at the start. Like, this movie just has, I don't know, a, a little sassiness that other Disney movies doesn't have. It's a little naughty. It's a little it's naughty. definitely yeah. naughty at times. This is little, this is true. You know, scandalizing those nine-year-olds in Winston-Salem. <laughs> Outside, uh, <laughs> the Arapaho girls are waiting to gloat. Uh, they tell the girl, they tell uh, Susan, it suits her right. She should stay out of their cabin. And Susan comes up and smacks the fool out of Sharon. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, that that double really took the brunt of that. And uh, Sharon slaps her back. And so they start just wrestling and tussling and wreaking havoc in the mess hall. They are trashing this place. They're trashing the camp, TM. <laughs> uh, knock, they knock over a table of records. They knock over the long table full of punch and desserts and a giant bowl of oranges, which amused me for some reason. Uh, you got to get that citrus, girls. Rich in vitamin C. Some incredible awkward acting going on with the background actors. I mean, from the moment that there's laughter at the skirt being seen to everybody being shocked. It's just, you know, very accurate of their age range. Oh, just. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, ooh, oh, kind of. Um, this inch tries to save a cake by holding it in the air, but it gets stuck on the beak of a carved totem pole bird and falls on her face. Womp, womp. The girls are in trouble. I, I, I love I, I re Sorry, I was going to interrupt you. I, I remember seeing some, what, something. I was just like looking up this movie. And I remember reading somewhere that said that that was Walt's favorite scene that <laughs> when when the cake fell on her. He said that's going to be the, the, the funniest scene. That's interesting. I got another Walt scene I coming up it. here. I, I thought that he would have cackled that with his Hormel chili, 
But <laughs> yes, absolutely. That would have been one but, of them. I love the shot that they do because they've got Haley Mills and her double like sitting at the foot of the table and they do a shot of both of their faces, but they've got like cake on the top of Haley's face and on the bottom of the other girl's face. So you can't tell that uh, it's using cake to conceal their differences or whatever. That's clever. Yeah, it's crafty. Uh, The girls, they're in big trouble. They're called before the camp leaders uh, Miss Inch, Miss Hathaway, and a silent third lady who doesn't speak, but is has very good like uh, TV extra acting, yes. and like the, the one that you get didn't get paid to talk, but can like nod and like react to things. Kind of uh, the silent third tribunal here at camp. Did you find it? Did you find it strange that there were only four staff members at Camp Inch? <laughs> Didn't Clearly, like they needed more. It was a different time. Yeah, Miss Inch. Miss Inch, uh, not deep pockets on her. She's land poor. She's got, <laughs> she's got lots of land. Uh, not a lot of uh, HR money going around, knocking around. So uh, Miss Inch reads him the riot act. Miss Hathaway is disgusted as well. Miss Inch says the worst part is that two sisters should be setting a good example. And the girls are like, whoa, no, we are not sisters. And Miss Hathaway confirms, they are not sisters, just lookalikes. Miss Inch is astounded and suddenly brings up Gilbert and Sullivan. I love the detail. Like, Have you heard of Gilbert and Sullivan? Sharon's like, oh, yeah. And Susan's like, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, Gilbert and Sullivan, who wrote a song called Let the Punishment Fill the Crime. Oh, Gilbert and Sullivan. So that's the plan. The punishment will be that they have to spend the rest of their time at camp together. Miss Inch leads them out to their new cabin as the entire camp worth of girls follows in ranks, uh, whistling Colonel Bogey's March from Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> Pretty good bit right there. That's I don't a good know, bit. Why were they following them? I don't know. To get up in their business. That is always, like, for the time when I was a kid, I thought that was weird. I was like, why is this, is this some like ritual of like putting them out on the ice flow together or something? But it's not because she fusses at them later. So it's just. uh, Yeah. So it's, yeah. Mysterious. They're they're not only following because they're, then they're walking weird. Yeah. They've got like their arms. They're like swinging them. Oh, they're walking weird. All right. (laughs) They're kind of, kind of like walking, like. It's like doing like a little chimpanzee bit or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Maybe they'd all been on a field trip to see Bridge on the River Quad. Maybe so. It's what this, it's, I mean, it's this would have been a contemporary the joke. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag relevant. Well, either, Miss Inch says, they have to learn to live together or they'll punish each other far better than she ever could. So the girls are in the tent and, together. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, and Miss Incha has one of those things that, I don't know what you call them, that you, if you're a jockey and you're oh, like a your riding horse, crop. Yeah. 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 That's just, that's an interesting choice there too. <laughs> Her little, um, oh, what did they call it when like the, like the British officers would have them and like, and I can't think of what they're called, but yeah, it's, it's a similar thing. It's like a riding crop. Um, girls even have to sit together at the isolation table. <laughs> I love the isolation table. I love that it has a sign that says isolation table. It's great. 
going back to the them marching out to the the cabin, uh, the shots of I guess it was uh, Susan Henning with the duffel bag in front of her face. Yeah, yeah. looking around with the duffel looking, bag. Yeah, that was that was a little weak. I thought. <laughs> For hiding, yeah. It, how are you going to see around with that duffel bag? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to turn around and look at you with a duffel bag in front of my face. It almost gets to be like the Austin Powers level of like things <laughs> passing in front of her face. Yes, <laughs> like oh, what is it now? It's, it's like a duffel what, bag. All you had to do is not look around, and that would work. You know, it's yeah. like just have the duffel bag. There was a major um, Mike Myers gag coming up here later in the movie. I'm, I'm, I got it coming, but, but there are a lot. Yeah, you're right. Austin Powers is a great analogy to use there. Yeah. I've got a bag in front of my face. Jeff, I was thinking when, when your kids act up, you need to make a sign that says isolation table. That's a good idea. I would that's love a great that isolation table sign yeah. just for myself. Yeah. Just yeah. That's, that's true. That's true. It's a reward. Yeah. yeah. That, that would work better. Just point uh, to the sign. Like, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ms. Inch said, leave me alone. Uh, so we find uh, Susan in, with her friends in the camp shower, which is a little Rudy tooty. And she's talking about how she's going to give Sharon the silent treatment to drive her out of her mind. And uh, so that's, that's her scheme. Later on, though, they're in the cabin and it's raining hard. Susan's putting pictures of a bunch of male singers up on the wall of the cabin. We got Elvis. We got Bobby Rydell. We got everybody up <laughs> Bobby there. Rydell. Yeah, right. As, I love it. Oh. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> a gust of wind comes in through the window, and Sharon helps her sort of batten down the canvas flap before they start assessing the damage. The wind has blown down all the pictures and gotten them wet, and uh, Susan's distraught. Sharon asks who one photo is. And Susan says, are you kidding? It's Ricky Nelson. Sharon says, well, that must be your boyfriend. And Susan's like, I what a wish. Trip. She's amazed that Sharon doesn't know who Ricky Nelson is. Come on, Sharon. Come on, I know, Sharon. Give it the program. Uh, she asks where Sharon comes from, outer space. Sharon says, no, I come from Boston. And uh, Susan <sighs> says, she's from California. They have a ranch out in Carmel. And she starts doing her bit again about how nice the place is and how awesome her dad is. And <laughs> is it this time where Sharon finds a photo of the dad in oh, uh, Susan's photo album? And we cut to an amazing glamour shot of Brian Keith. Yes. I want this picture, man. I want this picture. It's got to be available somewhere. I would frame it and <laughs> like put it on a desk good. somewhere in my house. What if you had it? And I like, but it was signed like. Hard Castle and McCormick kind of yes. thing. Wouldn't that have been amazing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, he's like holding a cigarette in a pensive fashion. Like right at his face. Yeah, right at his face. Just sort of staring <laughs> off in the space. A little bit of a sneer going on. Yeah. 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 A little bit. I just love that that is the picture that you give your daughter to take. And it's like a, <laughs> it's like a, like a headshot size, uh, whatever size that is, like... <laughs> print photo eight by ten eight by ten yeah so it's, it's like, like he needed something and his agent was like oh i have a picture right here of him. yeah <laughs> gotta be it's, it's not not wallet sized it is it is very large and uh just the most ridiculous possible photo she could have and yeah no knowing what we find out about like how rough and rugged this character is as we come to learn uh 
what occasion would he have had this photo taken? I I wonder. Oh, back in, you know, older days when he was a kept man. Uh, that's true. In his more sensitive days, his sweater vest wearing days. Uh, while we're on the Brian Keith, Michael, I'm going to give you a, uh, a tiny soapbox here for uh, to convince Robert to, to let us watch those Callaways. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. I had, <laughs> you've got to watch. It's another one of those, like, I had never seen it till I was an adult. And it's just sort of Brian Keith, Brian Keith and all over the place. It is a lot of Brian Keith. Sometimes scare it. Out in the wilderness. Um, a lot of flannel. Some good oh, stuff. yeah. A lot yeah. of ducks. I had yeah. it on the radar at one point. Um, but, um. Uh, yeah, I'll have to back and, and look at it again. I don't know if it's on it the was... plus. Is it on the plus, Jeff? It's on the plus. It's on the oh, plus. Oh, man. I need to go watch it tonight. Learn yeah. some valuable lessons. <laughs> Do it. Do it. About life on the New England frontier. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brian Keith, amazing photograph. Uh, we should all have George Harrell-style black and white headshots on hand at all times. It's true. And, uh, you know, Sharon, you know, they think they think he's dreamy. They're like, oh, he's so dreamy. And he is. Uh, Susan offers a Fig Newton, asks about Sharon's dad. Oh, I love the Fig Newtons. I was like, I know, oh, yeah, I was like a little, little product drop there. Yeah. Nice yeah. packaging. Like, that's, that's a real yeah. thing. Yeah. Sharon says she doesn't have one. Says her parents got separated ages ago. Her mother never talks about him. They discover that they're both 13. They share the same birthday, November 12th. Sharon thinks this is all very peculiar. Uh, Susan doesn't think, seem to think anything's weird about it at all. That they're identical and have the same birthday. Yeah, just denial is strong. It really is. She's she's hungry. The rain stops. Uh, Sharon asks Susan, you know, what her mother is like. Susan says, "Well, her, my parents busted up when I was young, but she knows the mom is fabulous because her dad used to keep a photo of her in his office until he caught her looking at it one day." So, so Susan, Susan's like, whatever, I want to go get a popsicle. But Sharon says, this is just too strange. And uh, takes uh, Susan inside, shows her a photo of her mom, which is yet another amazing shot of like, uh, I don't know, maybe the quiet man era, Maureen O'Hara, you know, from some John Ford movie <laughs> or something. I don't know. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I would keep it on my desk if I were Mitch. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, uh, Susan's confused. She says, what are you doing with this picture? And Sharon says, it's my mother. And Susan says, well, it's my mother too. And the bugle sounds for lunch. Neither of the girls are hungry. And Susan starts crying. Sharon gives her a hug. They're kind of awkward at first. Then they, they give a little huggy. And, uh, later they're, they're, they're kind of warming up about it. They're eating ice cream, talking it over trying to figure out what happened between their parents. And Sharon decides that since neither parent ever remarried, it means they're still in love with each other. Sharon's kind of uh, psychic and romantic and uh, you know, yes. all these things. Mystical. And uh, says it's, you know, love, sweet mystery. And uh, all the uh, names, all these tragic lovers who had things come between them, but then they came back together in the end. And uh, Susan comes up with a plan. The girls want to meet, the other parent, each other's other parent. So they'll switch places. 
and Sharon adds that if they switch, eventually the parents will have to unswitch them. So that will lead to them meeting again and rekindling their relationship. So they put their plan into action. The other girl, this is the first time when they're plotting that I think she's called Susan, which was really weird to me. Hmm. I didn't pick up on that. That's strange. But Sharon yeah, calls her yeah. Susan finally at this point. Cause I kept waiting for it. And I don't know if I missed it, which is possible, but not a big name caller. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not a <laughs> name. When they were plotting, when they were plotting, is this the moment where they said Boston's no place to rekindle a romance? Yes. Yeah, she's like a lot of slamming on Boston in this movie. She's like, you've, you've got to bring her to Cal. You got to bring mother to California. Cause Boston's no place to rekindle a romance. <laughs> yeah. They were really going after the East coast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that. I wrote that down. I think it's interesting. They don't, they don't put them in New York, you know, that yeah. they have to put them somewhere a little bit off center, uh, so they can dig at it constantly. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they've got, cause she's got to be like extra posh. So she's right, like right. Boston posh, you know, uh, that'd be funny if she was like, like, um, sort of Afflecky, sort of towny, <laughs> pock the con hobby. Yeah. Gun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they, they start scheming, uh, Susan cuts Sharon's hair to look like her own and they compare clothes and home lives and, each one gives the other like a briefing on home layout, family members, names yeah. of their horses and dogs. Andromeda is a good throughout name. my life. This this has uh, stressed me out. The thought of doing the briefing, you know, yes. if you had to do the briefing and memorize <laughs> it. Well, I just always think that you'd be so good at it, Michael. I don't. I, you'd be really good at synthesizing everything, and I would be terrible at it i would have been at the time now it's like i can't remember <laughs> names anymore <laughs> so i would be terrible at it but I, yeah at that time i probably would have been pretty good at it yeah i'd have been awful i've been like oh what's what is it I'd be, I'd be good at the layout the you know they've got they've got yeah. the, like the diagrams yeah. drawn of the house i'd be good at that yeah, they they get other they get other stuff too susan makes sharon start chewing her fingernails to match her own and Sharon teaches Susan how to do a kind of mid-Atlantic dialect, which is sort of what her natural, Haley Mills' natural British accent becomes a sort of mid-Atlantic kind of Catherine Hepburn, Philadelphia mm -hmm. story kind of deal. Camp finally comes to an end. One girl is upset that her dad won't let her take home a pet skunk, which I thought was a funny gag. Because she's like, but it's not here. It's a strange scene. I'm like, why did they add this? Yeah. It was a little odd, yeah. Because <laughs> it couldn't have been just a throwaway because they had to get a skunk and like, put it in the cage. So it's not like, let's just slip this in. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That always cracks me up. Susan and Sharon are finalizing their plan to get both parents talking about how they met and their first date. And this is when Sharon says the most important thing, bring mother to California, not Boston. So the limo shows up for Susan, a.k.a. Sharon, and Miss Inch bids her goodbye. Susan tries out her mid-Atlantic accent, confusing Miss Inch. I love the line about, I won't tell my aunt about the ants or the debutantes. <laughs> and uh, the chauffeur is like, what did you do to your hair? And adding, wait till your grandmother sees what you've done. So Susan goes riding off in the limo, saying goodbye to Sharon with a wave of crossed fingers, and we end act one.
All right, well, act two kicks off with Susan disguised as Sharon being chauffeured back home in Boston. I, it, it didn't look very Boston to me. I, don't, no. I guess this is part of the Boston I've not seen. Like more like London than anything. Yeah, it was London-y. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, she's been running through her notes to remember names and locations in order to keep up the appearance that she is Sharon. And when she arrives, she confuses, I think it's the chauffeur's name's like Stames. And she says, all right, here goes nothing. He kind of gives her a confused look. Well, then no one greets Susan upon her return. And she enters the home and she finds her grandmother in a nearby room instructing her assistant, Miss Lochness, along with the maid and the butler about preparing the music room. Miss Lochness leaves to run a task and finds Susan, again thinking that she's Sharon, in the parlor and asks a really strange question saying, ah, you're home from camp. Did you bring home all your underwear and personal things? <laughs> and I was like, and then Susan's like, yeah, I've got it. It's in the luggage. And she's like, yeah, it's probably full of germs. And it was just so what? intense, man. Come on. It was it was bizarre. Welcome home. What is wrong with you? Although it does seem like a real parental question to ask. Like, did you bring back your underwear? Like the first thing. Be like, yes. That was, yeah. But then the <laughs> falling up with probably full probably of germs. Full of germs. Sick. Weird. Miss Lochness also comments on Susan's hair and how her grandmother will feel. But then her grandfather hears them. Yes. And he he comes to welcome her home. Good old granddad. Doc Pruitt, man. Mm-hmm. From Ugly Dotson. The great. The great Charlie Ruggles. Great oh, Charlie I didn't Ruggles. even catch that. Yeah. Very nice. Legend. Well, Susan is very happy to see her grandfather. And she looks at him lovingly. As, oh, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Susan because even though she's supposed to be sharing, I'm going to say Susan. Yeah, for sure. Make sure everyone's understand what I'm doing. Yeah, so Susan's super happy to see her granddad. She's looking at him lovingly, and she starts sniffing him him so that she can make a memory of how he smelled like tobacco and peppermint. Well, just then, Maggie, her mother, rushes to greet her, and Susan is so happy to finally meet her. Let's just real quick. I mean, (laughs) Maggie's stunning. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I forgot how beautiful Maureen O'Hara was. Uh-huh. She is and she's a just true like, beauty. She's, yeah, she's absolutely stunning when she came in. Yeah. It yeah. kills wow. me because there's so much made in this movie about how she's middle-aged. And they're always talking about like right. a middle-aged woman. You're aging gracefully. And she is a stone fox. She absolutely. is out of control from very beginning. Just melting the film. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So here comes Maggie, and she also notices the hair, and the grandfather says, uh, I thought there was something different about her, which is a little bit of indication of, hmm, grandfather, he's kind of sharp. He knows something's going on. Well, grandmother also is coming to greet her, and she here she comes with her comments about the hair, <laughs> and the grandfather says he thinks it looks great. I mean, it. I didn't understand. What's all with all the hair hating? It's some kind of cultural context we don't understand. I rich guess, people stuff. To me, hoidenish, hoidenish is the word that um, <laughs> that the grandmother used, and I had to go. I didn't know what hoiden was, and so I had to go look it up. Uh, and she, it's a rude, uncultured, or rowdy girl or woman. Wow, I had never that picked up sense. on that. Yeah. Well, Grandma doesn't seem to care for the popsicle stick bird cage <laughs> that Susan had made for her. <laughs> and uh but susan is helping so susan goes off and, and help her mother get dressed and she's telling her about this girl that she met at camp 
and she's just sitting there staring at her beautiful mother. Then here comes grandma barging in and she says, tells Maggie all about these appointments that she has for the day. Like grandma's like just barking orders at everybody saying, this is what we're doing or this is what you're doing. Um, really running the, the house. Anyway, she gets on to Susan for slouching saying, I hope you didn't pick up a bunch of bad habits while you were away at camp. Uh, she's just a real, I'm pill. surprised she let her go to camp to begin with. I, you know, I agree because it mm-hmm. doesn't line up with, with how she behaves and how she treats everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's strange. Well, Susan is sad and she, uh, that she's just arrived and her mother is already having to leave to go for, you know, from these appointments. And she comes up with a plan about wanting to talk to her about getting married to Stafford and the boy she met at, uh, at camp. Well, Maggie's quite taken back by this, and she decides that she really should cancel her day so that she can spend some time to talk to her daughter about not rushing into marriage. Well, the two have a picnic in the park uh, where Susan does a nice job turning the conversation around and asking about her father. Well, Maggie deflects, but Susan keeps pressing and asking about their first date. And Maggie's like, ah, it was a small Italian place in New York, New York called uh, Martinelli's. Uh, and then, then we get a, uh, they, they, they decide to go for this walk and this is where we get one of those, uh, <laughs> rear projection, uh, strange, yeah. <laughs> uh, less well done effect because as they're strolling, it looks like they must've been booking it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, why is that the one that gets shot like that? Like, yeah, why? That one, well, cause it's like they're on a treadmill yeah, in, that's in what front of the rear out. projection. And it, you know what it reminds me of? It, it's almost like it's out of a Hitchcock film, because Hitchcock sometimes <laughs> loves those weird rear projection things. Yes, like, he does. When, when completely unnecessary, and it's such a weird choice. It really is. Yeah, it's so strange. Well, I thought when they were sitting like in the park, I thought it was lit well, and and the when the rear projection was was decent but yeah you're right this one just was jarring and it cracked me up when they cut to it <laughs> oh, it's like yeah. super mario wow. after he eats a star and just sort of well as they're strolling maggie starts singing as she reminisces i i mean i, I was a little confused about what the song was about but I, later i think they allude to it that, that that was their song and that's what she's kind of singing mm-hmm. is that, is that yeah. right okay all right. Well, meanwhile, on the other side of the country, well, there's Sharon one other shot here I want to talk about because there's a crane shot at the end of that sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's okay. clearly body doubles walking in the actual park in Boston, and uh, yeah, it, it just reminded me of Wayne's World where they went to England and and had obvious <laughs> <Yes>. body doubles <laughs> in Wayne's World. Yes. <laughs> but I'm like, but you yeah, take it, a it, camera I, crew to Boston, you have two random people in boston just take the real people to boston yeah i guess they couldn't 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 make it work with the scheduling i don't know yeah they had the b team out there in boston it's, getting crane shots of the boston the common <laughs> i have to call out one line from earlier when they were talking with charlie ruggles and uh, the grandma was nagging him brutally hard and she's like charles stop burbling and he, he gets real mad says i haven't burbled in years I don't know what that means, but it's a great reply. All right, we good with all that. We good on. We good with Boston for we now. We done with Boston, baby. All right, let's go across country. And Sharon has arrived by plane to California, disguised as Susan. 
uh, or Susie, sometimes she's called. And shortly after arriving, she is greeted by none other than, yes, Judge Hard- Hardcastle himself. It's it's Mitch. <laughs> that uh, that smoldering look. Uh, so, yeah, they've, they collect her luggage and she... she I mean, sorry, before I continue, did you guys ever watch Hardcastle? Oh, yeah. Because I love Oh, yeah, Mitch. yeah. We've got that toy yeah. car somewhere here, like the car that they drove in that show. Yeah, <laughs> that was the coolest car. I love it. Yeah, so anyways, they go and collect her luggage and she tells him how camp was and she tries to explain why she forgot to write as he kind of says you know i really enjoyed all those letters uh then they hop into this really sweet car robert what was that a thunderbird it was a thunder 1960 thunderbird yes oh man that was a sweet sweet car they changed the body style the following year but then it, it got really ugly i thought but that one was amazing mitch says that he needs to talk to her about some things that have happened while she was gone but it can wait and Sharon lets her Boston accent, and I say Boston in air quotes, because yeah. <laughs> uh, she lets out a little bit of a, a father instead of a father. And uh, Mitch notices right away, but they just kind of laugh it off. Well, they arrive home at Mitch's sweet ranch villa. Oh, dude. man. <laughs> man, I mean, Mitch is living that life. Golly, this is fantastic. I want. Yeah, I wanted this. Life. So this is just amazing. Nice. so amazing. I got a confession to make here on this one. I <laughs> uh, one of my creative escapes is playing uh, Sims Four and designing homes, and I spent a several, maybe three or four hours total trying to recreate this home in the Sims. <laughs> that is time well spent. I couldn't get it to work quite right because I mean I found a website, like a fan site, that actually has like a layout, a blueprint of the house. Oh, wow. But it's really weird. Like, and cause it's, they, they just weren't trying to make it, I mean, functional. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like movie logic. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the best. It's the best. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just amazing. Place. Yes. And I think we're probably on golden Oak. Is that probably where it's sitting? Yeah, I think so. I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and so they, they've arrived at the, the home, and uh, and they're greeted by the ranch hand, Hecky, uh, and Verbena, yeah. who comes out, who's the, like the maid, cook, nanny person, I guess you'd call yeah. her. Hecky, uh, man. Yeah, who, and she immediately notices a difference, but she can't say exactly what it is. So, we know, you know, on both, on both coasts, we got people who kind of know something's going on, but there's not. They're not too sure what's what exactly it is, but then here comes Andromeda, Susan's German Shepherd, who comes running around and notices that this isn't Susan, and uh, begins to bark at Sharon, which is also kind of furthers Verbena's suspicion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that house. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so Sharon goes in and she she's uh, looking to put her things away, and she goes in Susan's room, and her father yells up to her to come back down because there's someone there that he wants her to meet. And we hear a woman's voice saying how glad she is that he's back and she's been sitting around so bored. And I was like, I was wondering, I was like, oh, why was this woman sitting around bored at their house? That was a little confusing. Um, I, my wife and I even kind of laughed about that line. But um, so, yes, yeah, Sharon takes a peek and sees it. Uh, her father's got his arm around this other woman. It's like, hmm. Well, Sharon asks Verbena who that woman is, and Verbena is she isn't saying anything. <laughs> she's clearly she's clearly annoyed at him for having 
having this woman around and he thinks that this woman is chasing him for his money, but it's none of her business and she's not saying a word. <laughs> yeah. I love this Great. bit. I'm not saying a word, yeah. not one single word. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> well, later Sharon heads down to the pond to go for a swim. And her father meets her there with this new woman, Vicky. Ah, Vicky. Vicky is a younger, very attractive lady. Uh, Mitch runs off to make some drinks for them. I think he's like, let's go. I'm going to go make some martinis. Uh, (laughs) And he he leads them to get better acquainted. So then we have this scene between Vicky and Sharon. Guys, help me describe this interaction. I mean, knives are out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Openly hostile. Hackles are up. Yeah. I mean, it starts off kind of innocent because Vicky's like, hey, can you keep a secret? And she's trying to, you know, say how much she really admires her father. But already Sharon is just playing difficult. <laughs> I was going to say passive aggressive, but it is just aggressive aggressive. Yeah, there's no passive about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, me and my father, we don't, we tell each other everything. Uh, Vicky, you know, she tries to talk to her. I mean, she's doing, and then she says something about her. That she wrote. This is the part I like. She says something about how she rode her horse. And then Sharon says, "Yeah, my horse is used to strange women riding here because my father's out playing the field all the time." A, like he's got some dame like, up here every every yeah, week. A dame. That was great. Uh, then Mitch arrives and he asks if they've had a good talk, and Vicky's like, "Oh yes, it's been very good talk," but she can tell that she is clever, just as Perbina said. She knows what Sharon's trying to do. Haley Mills's uh, look take there when she you know, like snarks at her with a you know, with a cheesy grin. Really, that, the first that cracked me up. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty. Uh, cool. Yeah, that was good. It was, it was. They did a good job between yeah. those two because each one held their own really well. I thought. Yeah. Well, late that night, Sharon and Susan call each other over the telephone to check in with the other, and Sharon tells Susan that she. Needs to get her mother to California as soon as possible because the father has a new woman. Susan refuses to come because she just got to Boston and she wants more time with her mother. And she just says, just, you know, derail her, submarine her. I love how she calls, uh, she says about mother is the living, uh, the living end. The absolute living end is how she describes her mom. And yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so she's not coming and she's just, she says, I'm staying here and just hangs up on Sharon. Well, the next day Sharon has joined her father while he golfs another great scene. Just beautiful. That's Pebble beach, uh-huh. man. Pebble beach, yeah. man. Pebble Dang. Beach. I will say here, uh, one of the, like the background actors of the golfers that's in Mitch's party is Haley Mills's dad was the legendary British actor, John Mills, AKA the parent in uh, Swiss family Robinson. The dad is Swiss Family Robinson, but he he got a gig because he was like visiting. He plays one of those golf people, and he took it so he could play the course for free because <laughs> he nice. wanted to play Pebble Beach. My didn't man. want to pay for it, so that was a smooth move. Oh wow! Yeah, so the Sh- they're out golfing, and Sharon starts asking her mother. Excuse me, starts asking her father about her mother. To which Mitch gives an awful description of her, saying that. She wouldn't have liked her because he last heard that she ran off with a drunk and something about it. She was like really fat, like really fat. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. That's brutal. Yeah. Um, well, then Sharon continues to pry and asks, why did he fall in love with her? And 
he, Sharon really is pressing about how she needs a mother. And Mitch thinks it's because he needs to give, like, she's needing, like, the birds and the bees talk. That's kind of how I read it. It's one of those mm-hmm. scenes you guys were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're kind of going into this little interesting area here. Because uh, Mitch <laughs> is clearly uncomfortable. They managed to say a lot without saying anything. Yeah. Really. Yeah. They did that a lot. Yeah. A lot of conservation of uh, being explicit. But it's like everyone knew what they were talking about without exact, you know, what was the, what would they say in Seinfeld? Uh, I was a, there's a sign in Seinfeld. There's a, a phrase they used to describe that, but, but yeah, anyways, exactly what, what you guys are saying. And Mitch, Mitch tries to awkwardly talk about what, what little boys are like. Cause he used to be a little boy. <laughs> I love how he gets Yeesh. mad about it. <laughs> I mean, he's like, he, he's, they're not talking back and forth. He's the one who's talking, but he's like, but but I know what they're like because I, I I just know all right because I used to be one. <laughs> uh, well, Sharon kind of she's she's figuring out where he, what he's hitting at, but she's like, oh, I understand all of that, and I've known all about that for a while. <laughs> and Mitch is like, well, what are we talking about then? And it's just a funny scene between the two of them. And then he just ends up walking away to go finish his butt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the two arrive back at the clubhouse where Vicky and her mother, Edna, are, are waiting for them. And Vicky says to her mother as they're walking up, she says, ah, there's that little beast. Yeah, now. they're really uh, <laughs> making her into the snake in the grass. I mean, they're like making her hateable at this point. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she does a great job acting into it, too. It's For sure. I mean, because so then she's called, she says that she's a conniving, vicious, little two-faced yeah. brat. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Wow. But she says it in a way cool. that makes it sound like she's like almost swearing. Yes. I mean, it's like, it makes it like her voice makes it sound like she's saying much worse words because <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just like hateful, you know? And oh man, Edna's terrifying. Oh, Edna. Oh yeah. We're going to talk about Edna here in a second, but yeah. Edna says, just smile and think of that wonderful community property law. California has fellas, gold diggers confirm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Mitch introduces Sharon to Mrs. Robinson, and it's this strange. Says something about a peanut face. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so back to the grandma. Yeah, she's so weird, and the way she talks. Yeah, it's like she's like one hundred percent vocal fry because it's just yeah. like. Yes. <laughs> 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 Let's have a jolly lunch here on the lawn. Oh, you precious dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's creepy. Creepy, creepy, creepy. So, so Vicky whispers to Mitch asking if he told her about, uh, if he had told Susan uh, or Sharon, whatever, about them getting married. And she's annoyed when he says, I'm not yet, not yet, not yet. Uh, and then, you know, of course, Edna, that's when she does that ah, like an alien or <laughs> evil witch or whatever about stand for lunch. She's like, Gollum. Ah. Um, yeah, we're going to sit here and get to know each other. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they say they can. They take off. And Vicky says the first thing she's going to do is ship off Susan to that boarding school in Switzerland. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another the boarding like, school I feel like in as there. kids like growing up like 
step parents were inextricably linked to kids being sent to boarding school in Switzerland. Yes. Why was it always oh, yeah. a boarding school in Switzerland? That was always the gag. Yeah. <laughs> be a good thing. I know. Exactly. Really not nice. Could be nice. That were uh, what uh, the guy that Kim Jong Un didn't he go to Switzerland for boarding school? <laughs> probably uh, he may have prophetic later that day mitch and sharon are riding horses and mitch asks her what she thinks of mickey or vicky excuse me slip up there uh and asks thinks of vicky as a person and sharon avoids the question but uh, mitch continues to chase after her but then vicky arrives and distracts him well, Sharon has just runs into the house and she just doesn't want to believe that her father would be interested in someone like Vicky. And while she's sulking, Verbena hears her and asks if there's anything that she wants to talk about. And then she's also, Verbena also kind of keeps going. She's like, well, I don't under, I just still, you're behaving so strangely. You know, you've changed what you eat, your dog, your own dog doesn't know you. It's almost like you're, and then that's when Sharon turns and says, as if I was Sharon. Oh, she spills the beans now to Verbena. For being as like what? How do you know? How do you know that name? There was a and, uh, yeah. There was a great a music cue there when she says that. She says her name, and that really cracked me up. Duh. Yeah. Well, Mitch and Vicky come in, and Mitch wants to talk to Sharon, who has sat down to play the piano. <laughs> well, Mitch tries to tell his daughter about how he's still a real. This is a good. This is a funny conversation about how he's like still a relatively a young man and. Uh, he, he may seem old to her, but he's not, he's not really that old. <laughs> uh, and then he suddenly realizes that she's playing piano. And he's like, where, where, where did you learn how to do that? <laughs> uh, she's like, Oh, I, I picked it up. I picked it up from at camp. He's like, wow, that's really good. Well, he keeps trying to tell Sharon that he wants to marry Vicky. Uh, and, and Sharon just goes off on this tirade, how like, how it's going to ruin their whole plan. And Mitch is just so confused. And Vicky comes in. She's like, hey, hey, let me talk to her. I'm a woman. We understand these kinds of things. Uh, we can, you know, we can, men are men are not good at this. And so let me talk to her. But is this when, well, I love the gag where he's like, yeah, we bring her into the family. And she's like, oh, it's, it's fantastic. It's so sweet. You'd want to adopt her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted a sister. I've always wanted a sister. It's so sweet of you to want to adopt Vicky. And he's like, no. Yeah, well, but Vicky and Sharon start to talk about the situation, and Vicky tries to say that she truly loves uh, Mitch, but when Sharon points out that it's because she thinks she's only after the money, that's when the tone of the conversation really turns. And, I thought she uh, had hackles before, man. Whew. Yeah. yeah. Guns on the table. Vicky's, yeah, Vicky says she's going to marry Mitch whether Sharon likes it or not. Sharon retorts, you want to bet? <laughs> oh, man. And that, like, really brings out the nasty, you know. But then I can't kind of, I was like, meow, little cat fight. Who says, uh, you don't want to play with the big girls because you'll be in way over your head. I mean, it's definitely just catty, 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 just rah, going after each other. Well, Sharon rushes off to send a telegram to her sister in Boston, which was interesting that she did chose to do a telegram. Yeah. Uh, but I guess how else would you have told her? I guess that was yeah. the best, basically the only way to do it, right? Unless you just faked the call and been like, you know, faked who you were. But anyways, she sends her a telegram to Boston to give her the news and they tell her that she needs to talk to her on the phone. 
Well, back in Boston, the telegram arrives for Susan. And as her mother and her grandparents are looking on, we're just wondering why she's good. She's received this telegram. Well, the message child of her age getting says, a telegram. <laughs> yeah. A child. The message from California simply says Alexander Graham, 3 a.m. Important. Well, Maggie reads the message to the others and they all wonder who, who it's from and what it means. So Susan makes up this story about how it's a girl she met at camp who's crazy about this boy named Alexander who took her on a date until 3 a.m. Uh, <laughs> what? Had, yeah. <laughs> they can't put that puzzle together. That's just, it's a hilarious <laughs> grumbling about their, they're, they're like, well, it is a modern time. Where people go on dates right. to 3 a.m. It's in the background. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. They, they have this argument about the appropriateness of such a thing. <laughs> right. But uh, Susan's sitting over there starting to worry. Well, later that night at 3 a.m., Susan receives Sharon's call. But just as she does, Grandpa, who's up, I guess, <laughs> he's having a late night snack or something. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's up late. He uh, he eavesdrops. He hears, you know, they're talking and he eavesdrops in on the whole conversation on one of the other phones and Sharon and Susan agree that it's time to spill the beans and they need to get Susan and Maggie out to California as soon as possible. Well, after Susan hangs up, she runs into her grandfather who knowingly says, hi, Susan. Uh, and Susan tries to play, play dumb, but ultimately comes clean with her grandfather. I like, I think they pick, I'm sorry, they pick like the perfect people on each coast to like discover the secret first. Uh, It's somehow like Grandpa and Verbena are like the perfect, perfect ones to know. Yeah. There's a warmness to both those characters, and I think that's why it works well. Well, The following morning at breakfast, Grandmother's going over, again, going over the day's activities with the whole family. Grandpa looks at Susan signaling to her that it's time to break the news. And man, boy, does she. <laughs> she doesn't hes- she doesn't hesitate. She just, flat- just interrupts her grandmother and just flat out tells everybody who she really is and how it all happened. <laughs> uh, and then after the initial shock, everyone's, just, of course, very happy to see Susan. Uh, and the grandpa does the the grandpa does this yes. champion move here. By removing yes. the grandmother from the situation, and says, "Let them, let the mother and daughter have this moment alone." Uh, and I, I think he uses the phrase "let them alone," which I'd never heard yes. it said yes. that way, which is interesting. Love it. Let them be. And she like tries to like steamroll him. He he shuts it down. Yeah, he's like, "I've never put my foot down about anything, but I'm putting my foot down about this." Yeah. Got a backbone like, all of a sudden boy. after yeah, all that so time reading his newspaper in the background. <laughs> It's right. like getting burbled in years. <laughs> well, later Maggie is packing for California to take Susan back to her father, and Grandpa comes in, and he lets them know that they're on the noon He's, flight. Well, he said they're smoking a cigarette what? in that scene, that right? and, he, and, and he flicks the ashes into his hand. His ashen in his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's yeah, which is kind of funny. He, he puts yeah, it in his hand, but then he just drops it in the floor, which is like, <laughs> let the maid get it. Strange. It's all interesting. Well, Grandpa doesn't. Uh, he doesn't just leave it the, the news about the flight. He's he says you know he knowingly kind of he knows Sharon and, and Susan's intentions, so he's like saying just the right things. He's Andy Tailoring hardcore mm-hmm. here, big time. Yeah, yeah. He's he's saying just the right things to make get to Maggie about Mitch, 
and planting that seed that she may want to update her appearance uh, and really getting Maggie thinking about things. So Maggie tells Susan that before they go to California, they're going to stop over in New York for a couple of days to do some shopping before they head west. Uh, And that, ladies and gentlemen, closes Act 2. They don't have shops in Boston like to go to. Why? Not the same, oh, man. It's too stuffy. I like New York, man. All right, boy. We gotta getting ready to spring this trap. We gotta got a long road ahead of us here. But back on the ranch, Hecky has been out delivering a calf while Mitch hangs out in a really sweet <laughs> Willie's Jeep. Um, yeah, I got his You're denim cool jacket on, yeah. his denim pants. He's got a bolt action rifle mounted to the side of that thing. I mean, he's he's ready for action. The Canadian tuxedo. Let's <laughs> get the Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> yes, yes. So Mitch is a little perplexed, and he's you know we said he's rocking a sweet denim jacket and dungarees and his Canadian tuxedo, uh, and he looks like he's uh, been hanging around Ronald Reagan's ranch uh, there in the summer because. I found plenty of pictures of Ronald Reagan sporting the exact same outfit. I went down this deep <laughs> rabbit hole with Jeff, uh, looking at Ronald Reagan pictures on his ranch. <clears throat> but Mitch feels uh, there's a storm coming, and there's a storm brewing, and tells Hecky that, and uh, they motor off. Back at the house, Susan, and, or is it Sharon? I can't remember now. Uh, arrives with Maggie. And there's a brief, uh, hey, how are you? And Maggie and, and Fabrina kind of exchange words and then the the girls break the news that that Mitch is getting married on Saturday to their mom. Uh, He's not wasting any time. So, cause he's met this lovely lady and we'll assume that he met her in June and uh, here we are September and it's late August maybe. Uh, And so it only took him a couple of what, six, eight weeks to, to fall in love. And yeah, Yeah, it's pretty quick. Pretty quick. We get some nice back and back, uh, back to the camera shots with Susan Henning, uh, uh, and her profile slips into the shot here, uh, just enough to reveal that it's uh, not Haley Mills, I think, here in this one shot, and they're standing in the den. And, but Maggie tries to roll uh, with the news and lets, lets us know that with her reaction that maybe she's uh, hoping that they can patch things up. 
but she sort of just kind of gives us this, Oh, that's, that's great. Okay. No big deal. Let's not just glaze over the fact that she really did give herself a makeover. I mean, yeah, she comes in. Yeah. Looking, looking sharp, melting the film as uh, somebody said here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Got her hair dead. (laughs) Bright green outfit. I mean, just with that, with that red hair, she's just popping off the screen and the red lipstick. So Mitch gets back to the the house and goes to grab a cold one and walks in on Verbrina and Susan are and they're having some girl talk. Uh, she greets Mitch and and he lets her ha- have it for yelling at her at him earlier, which of course uh, was the other twin. So she plays it off and the minister and Mrs. Robinson uh, show up, uh, the crotchety old um, grandmother, and she immediately Reverend starts. Mosby. That's like that name, <laughs> Reverend Mosby. Love this. I love this Reverend guy. Love this clarity. Yeah, he's amazing. She immediately starts making plans uh, for redecorating Mitch's kicking bachelor pad, and it needs a woman's touch, I think is what she says. Susan is playing it off coy, and Mitch runs upstairs to change. Sharon walks walks by and confuses Mitch as he reveals his manly rug as he takes his shirt off and, uh, and walks into the bathroom with a robe on. Manly rug being his extremely hairy chest that he had very gaston speaking of manly rug does he have a toupee (laughs) (laughs) in the adjoining bathroom maggie is getting out of the shower and walks out into the twins room as mitch walks in with his man robe and notices a brassiere hanging up confuses him for his man robe that that is another uh another mature disney moment yes i thought absolutely absolutely because he's like wait a minute how he just kind of holds he doesn't say anything right yeah there's no dialogue but you can totally tell what you know exactly well then he yeah he's thinking about wait a minute my daughter wait yeah he's just trying to like figure it out it's it's really well done i love how yeah i love how he lets it go to um this bathroom though i mean we got to keep talking about the house the bathroom yes like little ante room where he gets dressed oh just keeps going yeah. he's got the shower like the glass shower but he's also got like the tile yes. line yes in the background yeah. he's got the sink with like, the fixtures are like gold right. looks like versailles <laughs> or something and uh it's pretty it's pretty crazy but yeah this place is although i do find it hard to believe there would be a shared bathroom for his room and for and that was that that seems like poor I architecture found, uh, and i was like yeah. trying to yeah, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Kind of like the uh, the shared bathroom on the Brady Bunch between the six kids. <laughs> it it right. made me. I, I thought yeah. the same thing, and it made me wonder if that other room was maybe Maggie's closet at one point or something like that. That mm-hmm. was big enough that they could, hey, could build off of it. But well, yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. So Maggie and Susan dash off when they find out that Vicky is there, and and they want us to, uh, to cause a little bit of trouble. So Mitch offers to make everyone drinks back down on the patio and the pastor asks for a double bourbon on the rocks. Bourbon double on the rocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he gets more than a double, man. Bourbon. That is a serious pour they got oh, going on. He's very generous. Is Hecky doing the pours? What's going on here? And I really, I, that was the moment I thought Walt was probably cackling in the, in the screening room with the, with the minister. I think all the minister yeah. scenes really play well. He, he's really yeah. good stuff. Yeah. 
Uh, Mitch gives a nice uh, look take at the drink order as the pastor plans the ceremony. Uh, Mitch sees Maggie and Sharon heading, hiding behind a tree and spills his drink. Uh, luckily, the, the pastor got his first, uh, but he spills everyone else's drinks. This is real high Brian Keith right now. I mean, he's doing it all. Yes. This is be- uh-huh. best actor award for Brian Keith. He's doing the physical, <laughs> the look takes, uh, his, his curt delivery. It's all so good. In the commotion, Mitch moves everyone outside and Maggie and Sharon sneak around some more. Uh, this time, Mitch does a nice pratfall into the lake off the dock as he sees them hiding behind a tree. Um. And then, uh, but I want to let's point- hang on a second. Let's talk about Maggie's character. The fact that she's just come right in and is, is very comfortable doing this right yeah. away. It's great. That was, yeah, I think something that's very telling about her. She is a, a bold woman. Very. Um, oh, scared of nobody, sure. man. Yeah. And it's it, especially since we've seen how her, her mother is, how the grandmother is and how we know the type of lifestyle and family that she comes from. But she's, you know, she's got no problems doing this around Mitch's house. And uh, I just I thought that was a really interesting character development there. I, speaking of character development, though, I will say, I, I feel like the remake gets this more correct in that they give the mom some reason to not be there. And this one, is, it's just like, why is she, were they here or were they there? I mean, I guess there's the family, but it, you know, it's it's a sign of the times. But she is a very strong character, though, regardless. Yeah. So Mitch climbs out, and he's not too happy. And then, but I also want to point out in the background, every time there's a wide shot of the ranch, there's always sprinklers running in the background, which I don't know, just kind of struck me a little bit, like big. It's plenty of water around, <laughs> lots Susie. Of golf court grade sprinklers. Yeah. California will never run out of water. That's Are you right. kidding me? <laughs> Thanks, <Nope>. Will Holland. <laughs> so Mitch climbs out. He storms off to confront Maggie, and they immediately start fighting. Uh, they pause when they, uh, or Mitch pauses when he sees the twins, and we get the uh, famous synchronized surprise. Um, also, though, when he when he sees it, he's he's struck by Maggie as well, though. Yeah. I mean, there's a moment where he is oh, like, yeah. he's like, wow, I'm just so happy to see you. Uh-huh. Then the argument happens. I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. They do a good job with like the mm-hmm. pause before he like his brain catches up to what's going on and he thinks to yeah. be mad about it. He's like, hey, yeah. Maggie, don't blame me, buddy. So we get a, a brief explanation from the twins about the ruse and Sharon pleads with Mitch not to marry Vicky and Maggie. Shoes both of them off. Yeah, but he says he says something about uh, the. He's like, you used up as many diapers as ten kids. To share, she's like, God, oh, Dad. <laughs> and so I just, and as a father, as of a little girl, I just that's I appreciated that. So Mitch starts back to arguing and says uh, he's supposed to get married, and Maggie starts and. Un- undermining his fiance and is parading around and half dressed in Mitch's uh, other bathrobe. Great move. Uh, Mitch, uh, pardon me. Mitch wants her to, uh, to get dressed and, and, and out of his house or at least be decent, which is, I think is a valid argument. And Maggie says that he's not the boss of her and 
she'll do what she wants, uh, more or less, and kind of storms off. Uh, she threatens to, or sorry, she didn't storm off here. She threatens to punch him, and uh, he tries to get her to uh, to leave the room, and she elbows him in the stomach, turns around, and then punches him in the eyeball. Yeah, it's uh, the the physical abuse is, li- is a little uncomfortable, yeah, I guess, for me. Yeah, a little me. bit, yeah. I was like, I was like, mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. She immediately feels- I, I agree. I, I'm with you because I think Mitch is in the right as far as you know, what he's requesting of her. Yeah, this is my house. Put- you're making this. You're not making this easy. At least put some yeah. clothes on. <laughs> but yeah, you show up uninvited out of nowhere and put on a bathrobe and start right. running around. Probably not going to look. No. Right. But then he puts his hands on her. And then I can understand, based off of what we know, Maggie, I understand what she's doing here. But still, I was just like a little uncomfortable for some reason. I was like, hmm. Yeah. She feels bad. He lays down on the couch. She starts tending to his swollen eye, right? As the minister comes in and then he quickly exits, which is another kind of funny, a little, it's great. you know, another one of those yeah. little areas there. They're kind of tiptoeing around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, the, the way that shot to just the angle of how he's laying on the couch and she's over him. Yeah. They are definitely, they're dancing all around it. So Mitch poorly explains uh, that this is his wife. And then he says, no, it's his ex-wife and corrects himself. Uh, and we get sort of an awkward exchange as the good reverend is quite taken by Maggie's bathrobe get up and quite amused by the whole situation. He's loving it. Yeah. I love it. He is like totally into it. There is no like, oh, I'm I'm shocked by this. There's no like playing it like it's an awkward moment. He's just like, this is great. He's probably going in to get a refill on that bourbon. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand up. <laughs> so Mitch begs Maggie to be reasonable, and she snarkily agrees. Scurries off to change. Finally, Mitch has a he's, glass. He's charming. Yes. So Mitch has a glass on his eye. Uh, as he talks to his fiance and soon to be mother-in-law as they lecture uh, him about Maggie being here and uh, they won't stand for it. I mean, she's a woman and that's enough is what they said. All while uh, the vicar is in the background enjoying the drama <laughs> and uh, it looks like he's got a refill in his drink. So he's just sitting there smiling and watching this whole thing unfold and he's <laughs> getting loaded. Is this when they're like, hey, uh, you know, Reverend, you may want to step up. And he's like, no, no, this is great. I'm good. Great character there. So Maggie comes bouncing in, starts stealing the show and and confusing uh, Vicky's, confusing Vicky for, or Vicky's mom for Vicky, uh, which is a kind of a good, uh, you know, stick it to him moment there. Mm. They have some catty exchanges about age and appearances and, my Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> and then Maggie dismisses Mitch to go get some champagne. Uh, but then they all, uh, Vicky says, I think we've had enough. And Vicky and her mom uh, exit with the clergy. Maggie lays it, uh, it on pretty thick as they uh, head back out to the car and just mentions in passing how Mitch is loaded. And, um, and just to charge the whole wedding to him, he can he can afford it. So I mean, we we talked about Maggie about how she's just you know a, a bold character. She did not hesitate. I mean, she it seems like she just jumps right in and just starts immediately fighting for Mitch. Yeah, uh, 
there wasn't oh, it didn't yeah. take much convincing for her on, on her part. And I, I was like, or at first it's just like dragging Vicky right, more right. than anything else than fighting for Mitch. I feel like it's like, oh, you are young. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that. Yeah. Oh, just have Mitch pay for it. He's loaded. Yeah, it, was, it was a strange turn there. Hmm. So back in the kitchen, the twins are plotting something that requires Hecky to be a gypsy now. And then later that evening, uh, on the patio, a curtain is up and a table with checkered cloth is set. Maggie uh, is upset about Mitch's black eye, and she's kind of laying it on thick, trying to uh, trying to you know help him and and be being you know apologetic about it, I guess. And um, then out walks Hecky dressed as a gypsy, and he's not too happy. The curtain is pulled back, and uh, Sharon uh, plays the piano. Right, hang on before you keep going though. His heck, he's has one of the best lines in the movie right there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he's like, don't. I may <laughs> yeah, just go, like, Mitch, kill Mitch, please. I may go out and kill myself. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing that he even just thought that. <laughs> and Mitch just laughs at it. He gets cracked yeah, up. About that's it, nice. That's great. That's really good. So Haley Mills does a pretty bad job of miming piano playing. Then out walks Susan with a guitar. Andy. um How's uh, how's Haley's guitar playing here? Oh, stellar. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, mean, I thought that was Slash. She gets yeah, a great sound. That, that, that out it's amazing. It. Explain the, the tone of this acoustic guitar to me a little bit. It's it's amazing how you get an electric uh, t- uh, tone out of that. With you know, I, I guess she's in an open tuning. <laughs> Most makes sense. There you go. <laughs> with a wide strum like that. But yeah, that was that was even even my, my children watched this movie with me, and they were even like. That's not, she's not playing that guitar. <laughs> not even trying. No, she's not. It's just a, it's such an easy thing to just do an acoustic sound. Yeah. yeah why? But I feel like did, in the sixties, did people not know the difference? Cause you see that in yeah. Elvis yeah. movies very too, common. where he'll pick up an acoustic guitar and it'll be, a, it'll be an electric. That's strange. But like for this, you could have totally had an acoustic sound and it would have worked just fine. It's weird, man. So they burst in the song, uh, a song called Let's Get Together. And we get the iconic shot of both Haley's dancing side by side. It's a good song. Yeah, it's not bad. I yeah. think the Sherman, I think the Sherman Bears did a good so- job with that song. It's catchy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, I think here they, well, they did just straight down the middle, but they said that they were, had a hard time. Cha- the challenge was really keeping them from you know, dipping into the other frame on the split. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In fact, there's, there's a moment when, uh, one of them throws up her arms. And if you like frame by frame it, you can see her like fingertips cross the line and like disappear. Mm-hmm. So it's like her, her fingertips are like, uh, back to the futuring fading away or something <laughs> as, uh, on, on just like, it's just a couple of frames, but uh, yeah, that's how they did it. So they exit stage right, leaving their parents to enjoy their their nice romantic Italian dinner. We get some longing stares and sappy music as they talk about uh, doing a six-month split, as they call it. I love how uh, Mitch is dissing on Italian food. He He's keeps, like, you know, I hate it this stuff. crazy. He He's naked like, on Italian food, man. Veal. He's like, come eat some of this slop. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we got all kinds of glop down here. 
Come on. Glob. That's what he said. Glob. Glob, yeah. <laughs> she knows I hate this. <laughs> yeah, she knows I hate this kind of thing. It's like, don't you dare mock that. No. The Maggie Mitch start talking about how how great it used to be. Uh, but if, they, if it wasn't just... If, if it wasn't for the fighting, it would be, you know, it was perfect. But they just couldn't stop fighting. <laughs> Maggie lets her guard down and compliments Mitch's handsome looks, and he doesn't return it. And then they skirt, start squabbling again. As Maggie storms off. She apologizes and says she's leaving in the morning with Sharon and wishes him all the best with his uh, new life, with his new love. And uh, all the while, the girls are on the balcony or the veranda or whatever up above watching the whole thing unfold and that night the girls start plotting they're trying to figure out something something's got to be done the girls come down the steps together the next morning walking suspiciously apart i might add one on one railing and one on the other <laughs> yeah. yeah they they always say well spaced uh they have they're really respectful of their yeah. personal bubbles <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> and they're dressed identically uh, the girls hatch this new scheme that they uh, uh, that they've been gypped by their parents, which uh, they, yeah, they I think they've been gypped for a while, uh, being separated like that. Um, and they're not going to tell them which one is which, and they're going to do the old switcheroo again. And they're not going to tell them until after this camp out. They're going to go on. So on a side note, there I want to add that I have we have some friends who have identical twins uh, who are. And when they were 13, I could not tell them apart to save my life. And I asked the mom, I yeah. said, you know, do you have trouble? She said, not at all. It's, she said, I've, I've never confused them at once. And she said, call it instinct, call it whatever. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we could argue that they haven't been around one another. But I, I still feel like, you'd, you know, side by side, they would pick up on it. But that's just me. They would know. Well, we haven't even talked about how weird it is that, like, because we find out that, like, Mitch is like, I, I, last I saw you, you were one year old. How they just, like, completely separate them at one year old and, like, never have any interaction with each other ever weird, again. Yeah. Right. That is so weird. Like, as a parent, I mean, how do you do that? How do you just say, like, all right, I'm never going to see my other, this other child of mine? Yeah, I guess she's doing fine. I'm not in contact with the other parent. I guess they're okay. So I don't know. Yeah, it's so, so crazy to think about. I wonder if back then it would have been an easier concept to grasp. Than oh, that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Probably. I don't know. I don't know enough about the divorce laws in the 60s. But I'm not going to say the law, but just, you know, a way of looking at the family. Yeah. You know, yeah. I would think more that, that Maggie would have probably fought that versus Mitch. But, you know. Yeah, it doesn't seem like something she would have, like let happen but mm -hmm. you know you never know but yeah it's, it raises a good point of like this would have been more socially like okay that's the thing that happens mm -hmm. well and since nobody can tell the others apart now uh the twins are blackmailing their parents and going on a family camp out and uh when they get back they're going to reveal who's who and that's their whole plan okay so vicky's evil we've established that but i'll give vicky a little bit of uh you know, wiggle room here because she ain't happy and she has all the right to be miserable at the idea of. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's getting yeah, tortured. I'd be, be beefing yeah. too. Of course. For sure. Of course. Of her, you know, fiance heading out with his ex wife on a camping trip. So, you know, days before they get married. And on the, the truck, 
you, y'all, you, do you notice what was on the side of the truck? It, it does say Golden Oak Ranch. Oh, oh I did not catch that. Wonder why they did. Well, have I mean, do you think they left that in, in intentionally? That that's he is his place is known as the Golden Oak Ranch, or do you? Think must be uh, just like oh, there's no sense in changing it. I'll just let it. Yeah, let, mm-hmm. nobody's gonna know what that is anyway. But that is funny. Yeah. So Vicky gives some parenting advice to the Mitch and says, "Well, if you want to get it out of them, maybe you should just give them a good spanking." Um, so we get Vicky back to being evil again very quickly. I mean, I would start by just selling the horse or, uh, you know, canceling the summer camp or, you know, doing something. To- <laughs> shooting the dog. Shooting the dog. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> shooting Andromeda. Just go over there to the Jeep, pull out the rifle. What's uh, your name? <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> Mitch, you're not going to shoot that dog, are you? <laughs> Heck yeah. Call old Miss uh, Old Miss Elizabeth from over the hill. She knows how to deal with these situations. <laughs> these sticky situations. Old Miss Cersei. Old Miss Cersei lives up in the cabin on the ne- in the next valley. Hecky's uh, loading up the truck, and Maggie suggests that Vicky join them and drags her off the change. So Maggie's you know, going to add a little wrinkle to the plan here. So Vicky turns and uh, she's not real thrilled about this plan, but the the girls and the girls bristle at the idea of Vicky joining them. But Maggie suddenly you know, is like, "Hey, you know, cut it out! I got this under control." And then she backs out, and um, so now it's it's Vicky, Mitch, and the twins, and they're going to head out now. And uh, and yeah, as you just pointed out, Golden Oak Ranch right there on the side of the truck. That was which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. As they hike with pack mules in tow, I might add a nice, that's <laughs> baller. Yeah. Uh, the girls plant a lizard on a water bottle and Vicky is horrified at the sight of this lizard. And, uh, and they're at this point, they're really, they're really leaning into the evil Vicky vibe now. Cause she's like really getting like ornery with the, with the girls building up to something here. As she is getting, yeah, as she's getting more and more, uh, yeah, just angry, etc. Mitch is lighter than air. He's like <laughs> running up hillsides, <laughs> just like uh, yeah, uh-huh. loving it. Yeah, it's the fresh air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves it. He's living that life, man. So the girls uh, play another practical joke on Vicky, claiming that uh, beating sticks together, as Andy uh, pointed out at the top of the show, will ward <laughs> off cougars. So then we get some sappy music as Vicky uh, gingerly walks off, foolishly whacking sticks together. Um, so the, the music cues through here are really kind of cracking me up at this point. <laughs> at camp, Vicky is having a cool, refreshing smoke after a long day of hiking. <laughs> and Mitch tells her to head down to the water to cool her feet off. Um, and then we get uh, probably the worst cartoonish gag of the movie as the twins are standing on each other's shoulders, um, claiming that the water isn't too deep. And underwater, uh, one of the twins uh, sees a fish go uh, swimming by and is holding her breath. Is that what you and Andy used to do at Lake Junaluska? All the time. Yeah. Used to do that all the time. Yeah. With my sister, especially. Come on, Jennifer. It's, it's, look, it's real shallow right here. <laughs> <laughs> Something you say, 
Yeah, you're like, look, I'm standing up. It's shallow. Yeah. In that case, it was true. <laughs> We're standing on our knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Vicky just, I mean, I feel like she's just sort of setting herself up at this point. I mean, she needs to quit trusting <laughs> these girls. <laughs> yeah. At, at some point, you need to pick up on what's happening here. She falls in and she's, you know, not too happy. She gets out and we get Susan Henning is uh, clearly making an appearance in this shot wearing the, uh, the bathing cap. Uh, that's to do sort of a wide shot of the two uh, Haley Mills and Susan standing next to each other. But it's, it's a well done shot because I mean, in that brief moment that they show it, it's tough to, to, you know, decide which one's who. I mean, yeah, I was looking for it at this point. So, I mean, if you're not looking for it, then I don't think you see it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only shot they, they show her face in the whole thing. They do a profile and then they, I think there was a couple, like when they were hiking at the camp in the the beginning, but all of it was at a distance. They did a soft uh, focus. They said they try to to hide it, that it it wasn't her. And it was Susan Henning. Yeah. It's well done. Uh, At camp, Hecky has cooked up a mess of trout. But Vicky detests trout and rudely exclaims it. See ya. Uh, we didn't like trout. Get out of here. I detest trout. That was her worst moment for me, not liking trout. <laughs> same thing. I, I circled it. I, said, I went, not, not trout. See ya and circled it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a deal breaker. She deserves boys. it all. <laughs> yeah, that's a deal breaker, Lena. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> Uh, Mitch says we eat off the trail when we're camping and that's part of the fun and tells her to make the best of it. So Vicky complains that the mosquitoes are after her at that night as they're around the campfire. Mitch sees that she's putting sugar water on as repellent and that that only attracts the insects. So sugar water. Vicky heads to bed, beating sticks together. Mitch uh, uncovers all the girls' jokes at this point, uh, much to Hecky's amusement. I love Hecky. I wish there was more Hecky in this movie. He's great. I wish there was more Hecky. I wish I had a Hecky. I mean, oh, like, sure. Hecky is doing all this cool stuff, but he's also like the conciliary. He's like, yes. He's like, Mitch can be like, I feel like a storm's coming. You know, he's like, <laughs> bad wind. It's like the best friend that works for him kind of thing. It's the, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah and really. his name is Hecky. It's just, uh, doesn't get any better. It, like earlier, like, like you said, when we first see him, they're out on the ranch and he's like, hey, you want to get a beer? It's like, oh, they're just, these, these are two dudes. It's mm. great. Dude and, yeah. Dude it up. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, too. It's like Hecky is is not digging the whole camping trip at first. You know, he's just like they're all coming, and then he's just. But he has to do it because he's Hecky. But now he, he starts to get like tickled as it goes on further. I mean, he's really uh, <laughs> loving the yeah. He's what's uh, the undermining is yeah. is appealing to him. So let me ask you this: We always talk about. <laughs> We always talk about a prequel or a, a side movie that we'd want to see about another character. What would you would you rather have? Something about like a backstory about the Reverend or about Hecky? That's a good question. It could be a war movie about Mitch and Hecky, like oh, oh, man, dude. <laughs> <laughs> In like Korea or something. Korea or the Pacific yeah, Front yeah. or or the European Front. Yeah. <laughs> I want the minister to solve mysteries. 
Oh, he would, he would be great. That's too. good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like yeah. sort I mean, of romantic a, comedy is like uh, sort of like the love boat, but with the minister. <laughs> I mean, they're both really, really great. Yeah. Mm. Uh, great characters. Could have been. What yeah, if it's like, a, it's like the searchers with Hecky? Just like the real, <laughs> like rugged Sam Peck and Paul Western pre pre story, you know, prequel. Yeah, just oh, have him working the a- ranch and just and you know, hunting cougars and hecky. <laughs> yeah, like, like a Shane. slow TV <laughs> thing Shane. where it's just <laughs> Shane. <sighs> All good ideas. Good stuff. That night, the girls pour honey on Vicky's feet. And tie rope around the inside of her tent, a gag that they're they're used to from their summer camp. This is some dude's favorite movie ever. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. I know he was some talking. dude somewhere. It's his favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. Pour honey on it. Yeah. One more hecky thing. Hecky's just sleeping by the campfire. No tent yes. for hecky. Just because he's that's a boss, right. like that. the same just, thing, like, crushing it with a sleeping by the campfire. That's right. <laughs> he doesn't care. Is he gonna be scared? I think of? I, I don't think you were with me that year at Camp Dakota, Jeff. Where we we went camping, and all the guys and the no. when, at, at this camp, I'll tell the listener that it's co-ed. We have groups, so like a group of like maybe eight boys with a group of eight girls, and we do activities together all week. And we went camping, and all the guys decided that we were going to be men and sleep by the campfire. And we went camping, and, hmm. <laughs> and of course, it poured down rain in the middle of the night on us. Nice. Naturally. We had to do that in order the era. They just took us off into the yes, woods. Left that's us true. There in the door. Yeah. And we're like sleepier. Yeah. Like, okay. like that'll teach them. Yeah. That'll make yeah. a man out of them. Yeah. <laughs> and boy, boy did it. <laughs> Uncomfortable, that's for sure. Uh that morning the there's bears there licking the honey off of Vicky. Uh, and she just has like a mental breakdown at this point. She starts trashing the camp. She turns, slaps Susan across the face, and demands oh, Hecky take her home. Oh. You share everything, don't you? That's, yeah, that's that's, that's, a, that's a rough one. Strange, yeah. brutal slap. Uh, Hecky was stoked to take her. <laughs> yeah, he's like scrambling to get on his like boots or whatever. Like, okay, let's go. And then she exclaims that she's leaving. This isn't worth it. Uh, sort of, I guess, letting her motives be known now that she's in it for the money. And he gets his fur up uh, over her actions. And then she just storms off to a, a reprise of the wedding march with the song, Let's Get Together, mashed together. So, which was a nice I think little touch. Brian Keith shows up. He's been like shaving in the lake or That's something. That's right. Yes. <laughs> he's got like shaving cream on, but he's got this like big bulky uh, gray sweatshirt on. It's like not like with yes. anything on it. It's just like generic sweatshirt. Yeah. It looks like he's been at like the Biddle Bible gym or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Cher comes back and tells Maggie that Vicky uh, didn't have fun and. Mitch comes in and gripes that the whole thing was a shambles, that, uh, that Vicky stormed off. Maggie looks somewhat relieved and, and happy about this, that her plan worked. Um, I like his line. He's like, she took off like a pelican. I use that some. I say that sometimes. Yes. Like, yeah, she took off like a pelican. Susan and Sharon come down and they do a little bit of an apology and telling Maggie uh, that they've... Um, 
they ran off Vicky and Mitch seems somewhat relieved that, that they did so that he's just kind of like, well, good riddance. He didn't seem too, too tore up over it. No, he didn't. Did he? Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be a relief right after seeing her show out like that. Here she doesn't like trout. That's right. Deal <laughs> yeah, breaker, that, right? Well, that's what did it. Stock through the floor. <laughs> the now newly single Mitch uh, starts getting the eyes for Maggie all of a sudden. Uh, at the sight of her cooking dinner, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. Shows up in her peasant dress and makes stew. What What do you expect? Yeah, was, He's a simple man. Really turns his crank. What do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect? You got Marino Harris standing there. <laughs> I mean, he's only it's, flesh and blood. That's right. Can't, can't blame wrong. the man, You're right? Wrong. He runs upstairs and showers and shaves and comes back uh, with wine and, and he's got the hi-fi playing some some sweet music. And the girls we just talk about his hairbrushes. His <laughs> well, and like, yeah, I mean, go ahead, and then I have something. I else mean, first, add. I want those hairbrushes, but they're they're like it's like horse brushes. Yes. And he's There's got like no strap on use his hand. Handle. Yeah. It's like <laughs> But then there's also like a like a shofar, like a ram's horn, like in this <laughs> vanity he has. It's, yes. it's like he's just got it all, man. He's got it all. Everything. But yeah, he does Brass that like, plates cone, all over like the brushing place. both sides of his head at the same time with his two like strapped on horse yeah. brushes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So back downstairs, Mitch starts putting the moves on Maggie. She st- serves up some some sweet stew. Uh, Maggie starts eating it up too. She's eating it up with a spoon, as a matter of fact, not the stew, but the moves that Mitch is putting on her. Um, as uh, they eat, uh, Mitch pulls out uh, the smolder and starts talking about uh, the way things used to be and and what he misses about uh, having them around, uh, having Maggie around, and, and Mitch goes on her hair. Hairpins and his fish hooks. Yeah. And I was like, I just miss what? it, okay? I was like, what? Yeah. What are you doing putting your hairpins in his fish hooks? Yeah, I'm messing around. How does that happen? Putting your stuff everywhere. Maybe she's just working on her hair while he's out fishing. She's hanging out with him. Maybe she's out there with yeah, him, dropping. Okay, well that's all right. That, that makes sense. Okay, she likes. Seems trout. like she could go out. She, yeah, she likes trout. Like, there I you go. Be, I bet she does. <laughs> I bet she does. Goes out there like. Wading like knee deep and like catches them with her hand. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't put anything past her abilities. Uh, you know, to his, uh, yeah, at one point he's like, oh, You don't want to be two lonely old people. We're going to be two lonely old people. And to Andy's notes on Maureen O'Hara, I'm like, You may, you might be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She will not be. She's going to be she just will fine. Be f- she just fine. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to do all right. So Mitch goes on this long list of things he misses the most about about her. And, but the biggest thing he misses most of all is just misses her. They embrace and start kissing. And then they would cut to a scene in bed with twins. And one of them wakes up and is having this like foreshadowing dream of a wedding. And we quickly crossfade to a wedding. As the twins walk down the aisle in dresses as Mitch and Maggie tie the knot again, and everyone lived happily ever after on Mitch's sweet ranch.
Mitch. It's been so long. So long. <laughs> It'd be cool if they woke up and it was like, I had the weirdest dream that like our parents were divorced and we had to, yeah. we didn't know each other. Oh. And they went down and they had like different parents. It like got really what, weird. You know? The, Ooh, you know how the Bob yeah. Newhart show ended? Didn't they do that with the Bob Newhart show? Yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. With Suzanne Plachette, our friend. They did that with the whole season of Dallas. Yeah. That'd be good if they had totally different parents. Yeah. And it was, that's like a Twilight Zone. Yeah. It's like they go down there in the Brady Bunch house with all the other Brady Bunch. I like how Mitch is like, uh, I miss swearing. Because you're not around yeah, that I shop. love that one. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> so much good stuff. Yeah, so many good little racy moments, as we've said throughout. It's no good without you, Maggie. Oh, Mitch. <laughs> well, so it's safe. I mean, you know, there aren't many movies we all just legitimately like. It seems like this one. Yeah, I didn't, have, I didn't have a whole lot of beef with this movie, but. I guess we should rate it. I guess it. we should find out exactly how we feel. Yeah, it's a good, good idea. Using our custom grading system patented by Robert uh, in the year 2020. What are we using to uh, grade this system tonight? I don't uh, I don't have a, a grade for this evening. I think we're, we're going to need to vote on it as a, as a society again. There, there wasn't anything that jumped out at me. Trout. Trout, yeah. <laughs> Hecky cooked trout, Hecky cooked trout, trout or sweet hair brushes, <laughs> bourbon double on the rocks, double, double bourbons, yeah. Uh, plates of glop, yeah. <laughs> plates of glop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like that one. All right, so we'll go with uh, with plates okay. of glop. Uh, so on a scale of one to five, plates of glop. That's veal parmesan, by the way. I'm going to go to Michael first because, you know, we used to go to the open kitchen in Charlotte a lot and have plates yeah. of glop all the time. Uh, plot and writing, how how many plates do you give it? Oh, I mean, I'm giving it a five, which is, which is a little generous because I feel like the structure of it, like the third act goes on, the whole camping trip is really kind of unnecessary, really. But it's fun. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, there's stuff in this movie that I think is, like, legitimately funny. And not just, like, the stuff we laugh at in, like, Herbie Goes Bananas. Because it's ridiculous. But stuff that's, like, I th just think it's really well written. Especially for this kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I'll give it a five. All right, Robert, how many plates of glop are you going to give this? So, yeah, one of my jobs is to break this up into acts all the movies uh, for us to use. And I was shocked at how long the third act, the one I got was. Um, and you're right. I'm, I'm with Michael. I think there's a lot they could have cut out and maybe moved along. I thought it started getting a little slow there at the end. Um, so for that, I'm going to give it a four. I think it just wasn't completely tight. I am going to also give it a five. It might be, you know, slight low five, but I think the premise is so great. So many good lines. Um, I agree about all that's been said about the act, but you know, you got to think about the camping trip is also so good. It, it slows down, but uh, you know, it's an iconic part of the movie. Yeah. Um, so I always I think know. it's like there's, they could trim a little, but then I'm like, well, what would you trim? 
like nothing because it's all so good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe you could trim some of the, at the camp, but I don't know. It, uh, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, Andy, what about you? I mean, I'm going to join you guys with the five. Uh, I think, I oh, think wow. it is really, really well done. I think the character development is really well done. Uh, I'll also agree with everything that you guys said about the, the little nitpicks, but I still think it's strong enough to keep it up in the five. It's funny too. I mean, it's like, they're just, there are movies that age so well and just so many of the lines. And I feel like the raciness we're talking about just pushes it into a, being a more modern film where other stuff is so much more dated. Um, yeah. Something about it is just, it holds up so well. It's clever. It's, it's there's a naughtiness to it, but it's also, it's a clever naughtiness to it. Yeah, um, yeah. And they just do it really, really well. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, we're gonna stay with you, casting and acting. How many glops are you gonna give that one? I I thought everyone did a really, really good job. I the, I think the only things that I could ding it on are I think Haley Mills yells her lines a lot versus just saying her lines naturally it's almost like she's yelling a lot um and so it, it I, I didn't it was it, that was a little distracting for me and i well i think brian keith did a great job i think maybe they could have probably cast it a little bit better possibly uh yeah, and so for me it's a high four okay robert what about you I'm going to go. I'm almost in lockstep with Andy on that one. I think, uh, except I, I like Brian Keith, and it. Um, I don't have any problem with him, uh, but I think some of Haley Mills's choices were a little, uh, a little rough. Not, not horrible, but just just enough to drop it down to a four for me. I as think well. I agree. Unfortunately, as much as I want to elevate Haley and do love her very mm-hmm. much, yeah, uh, it's a little in the accent, her American accent, mm. yeah. Um, you know, Disney movies and their accents are never going to, that's never going to be the thing, but yeah, I, I'm going to give it a four. I agree with you. Uh, I would never uh, say anything ill about Brian Keith. Cause even in his moments of being funny, Brian Keith, you know, best actor nominee in my book, <laughs> but uh, I, just, yeah. I just want the backstory on Mitch and Maggie. Like, how did that happen? I don't I just, know. I, I, I gotta yeah. know. I don't know, but she is just electric. I know we've said all, all we can say about her, but I mean, she is so good. And, uh, Charlie Ruggles. So good. Everybody. Maureen O'Hart. She just died in 2015. I know. I just read that. Yeah. Yeah. She, she hung in there. Yeah. Like she would pop up on like TCM and stuff like all the time. Like, and I mean, just funny to the end, like just sassy. Something I had forgotten about until I was doing my own little, just trying to jog my memory about everybody, Brian Keith on an episode of Deep Space Nine. That's right. As the cranky Bajoran guy. That's right. Eat Uh, my spicy hash brat. Leave me alone. Okay, (laughs) Okay, Michael. Well, you have the floor to tell us how much glop uh, the casting and acting gets. I do want to mention one thing. Going back for the movie, your line about Marina O'Hare being electric made me remember probably the best line of the movie when she's talking about Vicky and calls her a plot-faced child bride with the electric hips. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's such yes. a great line. Well, I mean, she has so many oh, good yes. lines to chew on. I, I love the other one where she said, uh, "I never go to funerals or weddings. I prefer elopements." Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. A good line. To I'm gonna give it a five. I agree with everything that's been said. I could see a four on this, and I thought about this a lot when I was watching. I mean, the only I give it a five on the strength of all the supporting actors. Um, just everybody is everybody's memorable because there aren't a lot of people in this movie. I mean, aside from like a crowd of girls at camp, but um, there's the handful of people in Boston. Then there's a handful of people in California, but they're all memorable. And the only thing I could ding it on is Haley's uh, the, there being no real difference between her, like being American and being, uh, posh uh as opposed to i mean like lindsay lohan did a great job yeah, in the 1998 right, one right. Uh, of course a british person may disagree uh, hearing her accent but to me it sounds good uh being american and then being british and Haley mills actually in her autobiography says she wishes she had prepped more for this to like get the accents down like one way or another but you know it was 1961 so no one really cared and uh was mm-hmm. was this always a Haley Mills movie? That, when did they ever consider anybody else? I or was it- don't know. She, I mean, she was so successful in Pollyanna that they instantly went looking for things to put her in. And I think I saw where like Walt's wife had found the story and been like, "This would be a good one oh, for Haley Mills to do." And so that's how that happened. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, that's a long winded way of saying yeah i'll give it a five okay we're moving on to production value i'm going to give it to robert first what do you what do you give it uh watching that featurette about the special effects really kind of opened my eyes a little bit more because before i thought you know you could you could see a lot of what they were doing but at the same time what they were doing was pretty groundbreaking and um it's uh I don't think it's enough to get me to a five, but, um, it's, it's strong. And I, and I really like the, I mean, the, the scenery, the sets, uh, the music was really good. Um, it's, I'm close, but I think I'm going to stick with a four on this one. I think I'm going to agree with you. Um, and just leaving room for, you know, the bit, these big special effects laden, features in the five uh, like 20,000 leagues or Roger rabbit Swiss family Robinson. But, uh, this is really good. I mean, obviously we talked a lot about the, all the locations, the house, the music, the, uh, shooting. So I, I would say very high four in my book. Uh, what about you, Michael? Well, you may have talked me down to a four. I, I was going to give it a five based on the strength of Mitch's house alone. But, um, <laughs> and the hairbrushes. And I, I think, honestly, if they had just flown them to Boston for a couple of shots yeah, right? in the park, that would have bumped it up to a five for me. Um, but gosh, like the technical stuff, all the art direction at the camp and at Mitch's place is also good. The fact that they shot on location it is really strong but i think you're right i think you have to leave room for like the the swiss family robinson 20,000 leagues roger rabbit 
like level of work. So I'll give it a four. And I think for me, like you could put it at a five if it was just perfect, right? But there's just a couple of things, like you, like you said, the Boston stuff. There's just enough. Yeah. Oh, what were we gonna say? I'll I'll add. I didn't mention this during the the uh, run through that uh, the camp was inspired. I, I need to research a little bit more, but initial internet searches said it was inspired by a camp in Asheville. Oh. So that's on um, their website. They just kidding. <laughs> that's part yeah. of their pitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I got, I, mean, I think it's believable when there's a ton of camps in that area. Mm-hmm. And um, so I need to look into it a little bit more, but that'll be interesting. Andy, what about your glops for this? Oh, my glops. Well, my glops, my glops, my lovely, lovely glops. Um, I agree 100% with what you guys are saying. I think it is not perfect like those other movies. Uh, I, but I do think the way that, like, the, the way they made Hallie, Haley Mills appear as if she's on screen with herself back then is so good. Just the little looks at each other, the eye line, yeah. the timing of uh, a lot of that stuff is just. The timing, especially, yeah, is it's, pretty, it's pretty just, remarkable. It's, I mean, it's better than some stuff we you see now. Uh, oh yeah, and so yeah, I mean, it's it's not perfect uh, like those other movies are, but it's just so well done. To me, this is a perfect four point five. This is like yeah, I agree. Right there. I agree with that. So because all three of you gave it a four, I think. Well, I I don't think it is as good as say like those other movies you named. I'm going to give it a five just to make, just to move that, that score up a little bit in, in the production category. So I'm going to go with a five. I, that well, totally uh, makes sense. Well, to me. I good totally work. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, and realizing that my scores for this are not going to be indicative of how I feel about this film. I mean, like, I hope, yeah, anyway, but I'm going to give the entertainment value first and I am going to give it a five because I love this movie. Just, like we all seem to, I think it's just, I could watch it over and over again. That's kind of my lead indicator on, on this. And it's not in an ironic way or a nostalgic way. Uh, I still think it's just a great movie. And, and I think the cool, I, I think it's incredible that the, that the reboot is also a very, very good movie. Yeah. I think that's just so amazing. And that, you know, I like them both. I would watch either one of them. And have no problem with it. I think they're both great movies. And I think that's really unique. So five for me with an exclamation point. Uh, Robert, what about you? I am going to go with a five as well. I I love this movie. I hadn't seen it in a while. Um, My kids watched it, I guess, maybe about three years ago, two, three years ago. And then I watched it, I think, maybe in college. and So it hasn't been on like heavy rotation but it's just more just not having access to it. But, um, I mean, I watched it, watching it now. I'm just like, yeah, this is no reason why I wouldn't go back and watch it multiple times. So Andy, I, when I sat down to watch this movie, uh, no one else in my house was, everyone else was doing something else. They were all, but they were all kind of coming in and out of the room. And then within 10 to 15 minutes, my entire family was sitting down and watching this. <laughs> um, and then they all, it was, it was in the evening. And so they all had to put the kids to bed and I finished it. 
And then the next day when it was time to watch something, they all said, Hey, can we finish that movie we were watching last night? And it was, I think that's a testament to how good this movie is. It's it, not only does it entertain adults, it entertains kids. Uh, I could watch this movie many, many times, especially compared to a lot of the other stuff I've had to watch with this <laughs> stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to give it a rare five. I thought it was fantastic. Wow. wow. Okay. And Michael. Yeah. Well, I've said, I said when, you know, when we were talking about this movie before we did it, that it's, it's a movie that, well, back in the day when you would come across movies on TV, this is one that I could sit down and watch it like any, any time and like get sucked into it. I, I'm, it's, it's a rare movie that you're always in the mood for. Like, yeah, I could watch that. And in fact, I think it was last Christmas. We were all sitting around here at, at my parents' house and nobody could decide what to watch. I'm like, what are we going to watch? Somebody's like, let's just put on the parent trap. <laughs> like, okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, so I gave it a five. I just, I think it's great. It's just really well done. All right. Well, let's punch this sucker into the computer. The war tennis shoes, some rare, rare consensus here. Uh, see what, what parent trap gets. Wow. I mean, this is out of left field. <laughs> I knew it was good. I didn't think it was going to be this good. Um, the parent trap comes in with a 4.56 right. tying it. Sorry. My cat just sneezed uh, 4.56 <laughs> tying it with Mary Poppins as the number one overall movie on our fitting. podcast. That, that works, yep, man. That works. Yep. I'm with that. I'm okay with that. All right. And then right below it, who framed Roger Rabbit? 4.44. Also, the rubric was double see. shots of bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Rum punch. Uh, who else is in the top five? Give us the rest of the top five. All right, the top five, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Whale Tales, 4.42. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson, 4.31. <laughs> Flight of the Navigator, 4.3. Uh, actually we're going into the, uh, six, oh, there, six yeah. of the flight of that. I later. think that's a great, that's a great list. That's it's just getting lineup, more man. and more, uh, making more sense. Journey of Nettie Gann is at number seven. <laughs> Journey of Nettie Gann, uh, let's see, she's been f- kind of tumbling. She's down to 14 now. now. we're talking. That's uh, what makes so more sense. The shaggy dog falls out of the top 10 ah, as a result of this movie. too. All right. Well, we have said what we have to say about this movie. We loved it. Uh, What did Leonard Malton say about this one, Michael? Leonard Malton shocked me to my core. Leonard Malton says, The Parent Trap is no great shakes, but it provides a good vehicle for some extremely winning players, most notably Haley Mills, but also the adult leads and character actors. He said, The film wavers uneasily between very broad slapstick and more subtle humor. Uh, I I was shocked. He says, best of all is the business of the twins. Haley Mills truly is remarkable, giving credibility to both characterizations, and she is the film's principal raison d'etre. Rare miss by Leonard. Yeah. Rare miss by Leonard. Is, that's strange, yeah. Well, as we close the book on this one, a quite enjoyable one to watch. Uh, Robert, what's coming up next? Oh, boy. Whew. So <laughs> my lovely wife has been campaigning for a certain movie to be reviewed by our illustrious society for some time now, maybe since day one. 
Uh, it's a movie about a popular captain of the basketball team and a brainy member of the academic club breaking all the high school rules as they secretly audition for the leads in the school musical. And luckily, that is not our next movie. And <laughs> I promise you that that will never be our movie. <laughs> That's the closest we'll come to it, is mention it here. I'm not even going to mention it by name. Under our resignations. But I'm sweating. With that said, the actual movie is off my wife's request line. And uh, evidently, it's a favorite of, of Jeff's wife as well, I understand. That's true. The movie is the 1990s Disney classic cool runnings i'll tell you my wife and like family sports movies of the 90s she that's her like genre of choice the other day she was like oh well, let's get rookie of the year I was like, all right <laughs> interesting I watch rookie of the year I like rookie. um but yeah this one's up there this one's up there with mighty ducks for her uh she loves loves this one yeah my wife goes to this one a lot too and um like likes to screen it for a the middle school crowds that she's she rubs elbows with periodically. It's her version of showing Gus in the Marion School Auditorium. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's exactly. It. It's kind of like today's Gus, uh, or the nineties Gus. Well, yeah, that should be interesting. It'll be a nice change of pace. That's all I can say. That's yes, good stuff and cool. I've language. never seen it. Oh my I, goodness, me either. Wow. I've never seen it. I've but yet, seen it. oh, wow. but yet I own the soundtrack. And we'll talk about, <laughs> and, we, and we will talk about that. I can't yes, we will. Well, we just about got our season six lineup cemented. As, as a matter of fact, our friends at Price Waterhouse Coopers have the envelope sealed, and Robert will be revealing the lineup to our society members in a secret closed session following this recording. What could lay in store for you, the listener? What shocking surprises lurk on the horizon? All I know is Robert has big plans and major changes coming next year. Want to take a guess what's on the list? Email us at info at medfieldfilm.com or find us at medfieldfilm on the social media platforms. Hello, parents. Do you dream of all-night poker games or high-society social events? Do you have an itch to catch a quick 18 at Pebble Beach or maybe enjoy a nice, quiet stroll through the Boston Common? Perhaps a quiet hike through the acreage of your private California ranch is more your speed. No time to take a quick jaunt to New York for a little shopping? Do you need time to meet younger women who are clearly after your wealth? Well, what's holding you back? Oh, right. You have kids. Kids can easily drag your me time down. So why not ship them off to camp for the summer? That's right. Send those brats packing for the best 12 weeks of their lives at Camp Inch Camp for Girls. Our nice wide gravel roads will easily accommodate your Rolls Royce as you quickly discard your charges for the summer. Do your girls like canoeing? Who cares? But if they do, we got canoes. And we got sailboats. We got kids in circles playing Duck Duck Goose. We got tetherball. We have properly ventilated tents and cabins that meet the highest standards of rustic camp life. Do your girls like eating? Well, we got good old camp food like plates of lettuce, baked beans, and hot dogs with no buns, all provided by our proud sponsor, Carnation Milk. Once a week, Chief Eaglewood will escort the young bucks of Thunderhead Boys Camp to a dance with the young ladies of Camp Inch, so they won't get too lonely. Why, with the atmosphere provided by a stack of swinging platters, large slices of cake, and peel-and-eat oranges, you'll have those millstones married off and out of the house in no time. 
Our highly trained and extremely pushy camp staff of four stand ready to make your camper feel nice and welcome. Camp Inch is a strong proponent of law and order. If your daughter crosses any lines, they'll spend the rest of camp in solitary. Don't think of it as extraordinary rendition. Think of it as more time to make popsicle stick bird cages. Think about it. You'll get to play golf every day, play poker every night. Why? When they get home, you'll wish you could find a camp that keeps them all winter, too. Or maybe boarding school. So if this all sounds like a great time to you, send your daughter off to Camp Inch, and we'll do the rest while you get your life back. Warning. Girls under the age of 10 should avoid prolonged exposure to water in Oppenheimer Lake. Caution. Camp Inch is not responsible for mental distress or fatigue as a result of our camp programming. Camp Inch was built on government-owned land that was managed by the War Department from August 13, 1942 to August 15, 1937. Camp Inch is not associated with the Manhattan Project or its partnering government programs and following. Seek medical help if your daughter experiences itching, vertigo, dizziness, tingling in the extremities, loss or balance or coordination, slurred speech, temporary blindness, profuse sweating, heart palpitations. Failure to address these symptoms relieves Camp Inch. Old Lang Syne Insurance and its parent company Hawk Enterprises of any and all liability. The drinking water at Camp Inch has traces of a glowing substance which fell to Earth, presumably from outer space. Upon arrival at Camp Inch, your child's medical release forms legally takes away you or your child's right to legal action pertaining to the drinking water and all the side effects thereafter. Camp Inch logo is trademarked for property created by Todd Naprick of Bind and Graphics, all rights reserved. Unauthorized use infringes upon the exclusive rights of Camp Inch and Tom Naprick of Binding Graphics, located at bindinggraphics.com and Upworks. A cease and desist order will be issued upon any and all infringements. Swift and painful actions from Todd Naprick of bindinggraphics.com, Camp Inch, Old Lang Syne Insurance, and its parent company, Hawk Enterprises. For more information on the Camp Inch logo, contact Todd Naprick at bindinggraphics.com and Upworks. So, send your daughter to Camp Inch, and they'll come back as a different person. So, from all of us here at the Midfield College Film Society, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you with Cool Running. Hold your banner high, rock, rock, we shout your praises to the sky, rock, rock, for proud are we a mighty man.